All right, away we go. It is the BCJ Podcast, brought to you by the Holy Grail, right here on BearcatJournal.com. Make sure, like uh, like me, Sunday, I'm going to the Reds game. You know what I'm going to do first? I'm going to stop by the Holy Grail, see our good friends, have a beverage, maybe get uh, some, some delicious pizza or wings, or uh, maybe I'll try Kelly's favorite and get the Reuben wontons. Uh, but whatever it is, make sure... When you're down at the banks and you are uh, having a good time downtown, you stop by and visit the number one sports bar in the city, our longest sponsor, and a growing list of sponsors. We're busting at the scene with sponsors. But right now, the Holy Grail is uh, the, the catalyst, the ones that believed in us first. So make sure you are supporting those that are supporting us. All right, Dave, uh, this might be a three-hour show. You're muted. You're muted. You're muted, Dave. You're muted. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, As our loyal listeners know, that will not thrill me, but we do have a lot to talk about. So if it ends up being that long, it ends up being that long. We we have a lot to get to. Uh, We will get to our Team Ticker Big 12 segment here in a second, but day one of camp was today uh, at beautiful historic Nippert Stadium, an absolutely perfect August day. I've been to a lot of day ones of camp that made you feel like you lost 45 pounds just standing on the turf. Today was picture perfect. It was delightful. Uh, so we have a lot to get to there. Uh, realignment, I <laughs> the last three hours have been bananas. It's a good thing we have a realignment expert on the payroll. It is. Is he going to be available tonight? We didn't. We didn't plan for him tonight. I don't think so. I don't think okay. so. I think he's. I think he's pretty busy. Yeah, it sounds like there's a lot going on on the realignment front. Uh, so I don't know if we'll hear from Dan Simon tonight or not. Uh, maybe. Maybe we can catch him before he hits the the craps table tonight. But uh, yeah, we'll see how that goes. And, uh, and so much, so much more. But first, let's start it off with our team ticker. Big 12 segment and uh, something new right now, Dave, from Team Ticker. Uh, We will have the prototype uh, in next week, but we're releasing a new design from Team Ticker. It's going to be just the C-Paw with the Team Ticker below it. As you can see, we've got the Bearcat right there. It's six, seven minutes of all updated uh, information that lets you know exactly what's going on in the world of UC sports. And they are adding to that with a CPAW design uh, that looks, looks great. I can't wait to get the, uh, the, the, the prototype in uh, this week and get it displayed for you next week. Uh, it's the ultimate edition for anyone wanting to showcase their team pride, custom graphics, easy to hang design, make it the perfect piece to display in your home, fan cave, game room, dorm room, or office. The digital led display provides you with a unique way to stay connected to the latest team and player information. Get one for yourself uh, and one as the perfect gift for that devoted Bearcats fan. Go to teamticker.com. And that brings us to, it's a lot. Like we're, we're doing four minutes of freaking intros now. <laughs> it's like a real podcast or something. I, I, I almost don't like all the advertising, Dave. It makes us feel legitimate and I've never liked that. I don't no. want to be like, that's no. not who we are. They're obviously giving us a ton of money for these spots. <laughs> spots so. 
still too much money for you to run electricity to that little spot on your wall right there. But yeah. We haven't reached we haven't reached that status yet. But we yeah. are now joined by the publisher of the Kansas 24-7 site, Michael Swain. Michael, welcome. Sorry to make you wait that long. Your segment's almost over. <laughs> you guys are all good. All good. I love the dynamic you guys have going on. So thanks for having me on. Uh, usually when I do these things, I turn it over to Dave. Dave is the now Big 12 expert. Well, so, uh, Dave, we're, Michael we're, Swain is yours. You have the floor. We're, we're getting there. I have a lot lot to learn. Uh, but I, I feel like I know at least one thing about Kansas, and that's Jalen Daniels is really damn good. And he had a really damn good season last year until he got hurt. And KU's second half of the year kind of torpedoed without him. With him back, potential to be Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year. What are kind of some of the things that he's talked about, Lance Leipold has talked about, where you know he's, he's working on his game to kind of take that next step? I mean, he's a dynamic guy, but they're always trying to get better. Where are the parts of his game that you think he can still improve the most in? Well, I think for Jalen especially, it goes to the moment against TCU, right, where he gets hurt where he's scrambling to his right, um, gets tackled out of bounds and separates his shoulder. You know, that really has been the moment for him that's kind of drove him this offseason. And so the things he's talked about that he wants to get better at is scrambling in the pocket, being more athletic, being able to avoid a play like that where maybe he has the athleticism to outrun that defensive lineman that's chasing after him, getting to the sideline or turn it up field. And look, if you go back and watch the highlights last year, you'll see how dynamic Jalen Daniels is as a quarterback, right? He's a dual threat. I mean, he led, there was a point, I believe, in week four where he had the highest ESPN total QBR in history, like higher than Cam Newton, higher than Mac Jones. Like he was playing at such a high level. And then the injury happens, right? And I think that for him has been kind of the moment where I think he realizes the trajectory he was on. And I think he wants to get back there. And I think that's one of the big things he's worked on is, is being more mobile. But also what he's talked about too is being bulletproof, where you look at him coming into camp this year and he looks different than he did last year. And I think this time last year we were talking about how different he looked than the year before. And so I think this is just kind of the natural progression you get to see in college football where guys grow up, right? Jalen was a 17-year-old true freshman back in 2020 playing, and he got obliterated all the time. I think like he had nine sat, he was sacked nine times in a game against Oklahoma in 2020. And then now you're at the point where you look at him now and you say, okay, this is the type of guy that looks physically like he can take the hits. And so for him, I think it's going to be about kind of taking that next step physically. Um, in terms of his athleticism, because you watch him, right? He's got the dual threat ability. He's got the arm talent to make some really high level elite throws. And now it's kind of just about putting it all together and making sure that he can stay on the field to really maximize what Kansas can do. When teams have been able to get him off his game, what what is the way that they – you know, kind of slow him down? Is it pressure in his face? Is it is it just having sticky corners? Like, you know, UC's defense, and especially their defensive line, should be pretty good this year. Mm-hmm. What is the formula that you would say, you know, most affects him, you know, as a – I would say as a passer? Because, I mean, he's he's going to make plays as a runner. We yeah. know that. But, like, in the in the structure of the play, what are the what are the ways that teams have affected him the most? Well, in order to do that, right, I think you have to stop the run first and foremost because so much of Kansas' success last year, especially early in the season, right, 
they ran the ball so well with kind of their triple option offense and looks and it's probably more modern triple option right i think you say that and people think like army it's a little bit different than that though and i think what teams like iowa state did is they really stopped the run and if all of a sudden you're making jalen daniels uh a third and nine quarterback he's got the arm talent but look kansas at wide receiver does not have nfl guys they've got good college players, but not guys are going to go on to play professionally in the national football league. And so what teams have been able to do is when they stop the run, they force Kansas to be in predictable passing situations. And then a guy like Jalen Daniels can't really flash that ability because so much of what Kansas does is misdirection that comes in the run game. That also comes in the pass game, whether it be through play action or using a defender's eyes against them. So I just think overall, I look at, what opposing teams do is really going to start stopping the run. Because if you can make Kansas a one-dimensional offense, Jalen Daniels doesn't have the dudes to go out and make spectacular plays if he can put the ball in the right spot. So I think for so much of slowing Jalen, it comes from really kind of limiting what he can do and how versatile he can be. I would say for UC fans listening, their offense or their run game, I'm not going to say it's exactly the same, but it's pretty similar to how – Tulane runs there, like you said, triple. Uh, it's not really triple option, but it's like a shotgun triple option type. A lot of movement, a lot of pre-snap stuff, and that was gonna kind of take me to my next question. Offensively, KU is a lot of fun to watch. What do they do that kind of makes them so hard to defend? Well, so much of it is about eye discipline. And I think what helped Kansas a lot last year was early in the season, teams did not know that this is what the offense was going to look like. And I look at the offense this year and say, okay, teams know generally what Kansas did last year. Now, what type of wrinkles can they put in this year? And so much last year was getting six yards on first down. So then it's second and four. And I think Andy Kordonecki is so smart in drawing up plays that on second and four, he's got a whole playbook in front of him he can pick from. And so I think so much of what they do is really putting pressure, not on the defensive line, but on really the second level, whether that be the linebackers, the corners, and the safeties, to make the right reads, fill the right gaps, be in the right spots. And I think that it puts so much pressure on them mentally that you have to be on for all 60, 70, 80 snaps, depending on how many snaps, you know, the offense is out there. That defense has to be locked in mentally. And I think that's really strenuous on a team that over the course of the game, they're going to make mistakes. I think that's what made Kansas so lethal last year is that when teams made mistakes, they were able to capitalize. And so I look at the offense and say, you have to be on your game mentally that week against Kansas or else you're going to get a lot of busted plays and guys are going to be running wide open and they're going to score a lot of points. Running back Devin Neal, quarterback Jalen Daniels, probably the premier running back quarterback combo in the conference. Who else offensively skill position wise are you guys looking at this year to kind of complement what they do and make sure that the offense kind of stays at least where it was last year before Daniels got hurt. Yeah. I think you have to look at Daniel Hyshaw as being kind of a key player here, running back. You look last season, um, his story's crazy. So he was a quarterback in high school. He gets to Kansas, plays as a freshman in 2020 and, and performs really well. I think he was K's leading rusher that season. And then before the 2021 season, he dislocates his hip. 
And so he's done for this season. And then last year, he was KU's leading all-purpose yard leader, whether you know combining rushing yards and catching receiving yards. And then against Iowa State there in week five, he dislocates his same hip again, and he's done for the season. And you look at him, KU is so dynamic with Hyshaw and Neal because Hyshaw is a physical back. He's going to plow people over. He's hard to tackle. And then you get Devin Neal. He's more of an all-around type of running back who maybe is a little bit faster, um, can catch out of the backfield as well. And those two created such a great tandem for KU. And the running game is so important for what they want to do offensively that he's a really key piece. I mean, you look at wide receiver, not a lot of guys are going to really um, flash on Saturdays, but they're going to make good plays. They're going to be open and they're going to catch the ball. Kansas had, I believe, five drop passes all of last season. They're very, very fundamentally sound at the wide receiver position. They're guys that they've got, you know, tall guys that can catch, like Lawrence Arnold, right? Kind of a 50-50 ball guy. They got Quentin Skinner, number zero. He's going to kind of blow the top off of the defense, but he's six foot five. And they've got a guy underneath Luke Grimm, who probably in terms of route running is the best route runner on the team. And so you look at the wide receivers again, not flashy, but they're not going to make mistakes. And then at tight end, you've got guys like Mason Fairchild and Jared Casey, who again, are kind of fit the mold of Kansas, right? They don't play bad football, which feel feels weird saying that right after covering this, Kansas yeah, program for so long, football. you know, they, they don't play bad football, but I just think overall this offense just does such a good job of limiting the amount of bad plays where you look and say, what in the world was that? And that really helps them put together, I think some really quality drives. So I think I threw a lot of names at you, but they return yeah. a lot of guys. So oh, I yeah, think there are a lot of guys that fans have to know. Yeah. I mean, I was going to get to that in one of my later questions, according to Bill Conley, they're number one in returning production. So mm-hmm. yeah, they're going to have a lot of, a lot of guys that are familiar with the system and should be able to get, step into the season and, you know, get running right away. Talking Bill Conley a little bit more SP plus, I don't know if I've ever seen a variance this big where an offense was 31st and a defense was 106th. How, how do, how does Kansas bring that defense number to even just something respectable, because I think if it gets in the 60s or 70s with what the offense can do, they're they're a totally different team. So where do they go? I mean, obviously you can say like they can't get any worse, but how do they go from 106 to to helping out the offense a lot more? Yeah, I'm a big believer in in offense is about coaching and defense is about talent. And KU's just had a talent issue, and it, it really starts in the trenches. You know, we talked to Brian Borland, defensive coordinator today for for fall camp, and he's always very um, honest and retrospective during camp. And I really appreciate that. He made a really good point. You know, the guys last year, they're playing in the trenches for KU, really good humans, great culture guys, not high ceiling college football players. And that's okay at some point, but they have to improve. And I think what you've seen them do this off season is really upgrade the athleticism at the defensive line spot, defensive tackle, especially they lose their top three guys from last year, but I think they really added guys that are high ceiling players. Devin Phillips is a transfer from Colorado state. He's six two, about 325 pounds, but he's someone in terms of the ability to bend and get around you know, double teams and an offensive lineman. He's really important there. And then someone like Gage Keys from Minnesota. He's about 6'5", 290 pounds right now, but he's got a vertical jump that's in the mid-30s. He's a guy that can run a 40 in the low four sixes. He's a great athlete. And so I look at the defensive tackle spot for Kansas, and I think they'll be better there. I think that's where some improvement will come. 
Defensive end on the strong side, Jeremy Robinson last year, or really the last two years, has outproduced the starter while playing backup snaps. And so for him now, it's about can he translate that production to being the starter? The big worry for KU is the weak side defensive end spot, kind of their rush end. They lost Lonnie Phelps, and they're really struggling to find who can fill that role. And so they might be better at those three other spots, but almost I would say maybe one of the most key positions on the defense, right? A guy who can rush the passer, create pressure. They're really searching for that during camp. And you look at kind of the, the – the back seven, right, the linebackers and corners and safeties, they return everyone. And I think KU's hoping that those guys being in the program, being in the scheme for another year, will allow them to play more free and not think so much. And I think that that is where they're hoping, is that the athleticism up front, more continuity on the back end, will help the defense improve. I don't know if it's going to happen, but I think that's where they're hoping. You mentioned a couple of the portal guys on the defensive line. I assumed that you know, they would hit the portal hard defensively. Is there, you know, is, is were those, are those kind of the two main guys or is there, is there anybody else, whether it's portal or mm-hmm. just reserves from last year that you think are going to be counted on to take on a much bigger role? Yeah. So I think I named two of them, right? So, so Gage Keys and, and Devin Phillips, I look at Austin Booker and Dylan Brooks. Those are two defensive end transfers. Booker came from Minnesota. Brooks came from Auburn. Um, two guys who are different type of defensive ends that Kansas had. The question is they've not played a lot of college football, right? This will be their first season where they're going to be relied upon in the rotation. How does that growing process look, right? Are there a ton of growing pains? Are they able to hit the ground running? Those are two guys that if they are able to reach their ceiling, they're difference makers for Kansas. They're guys that can change games. It's just a question of, is that going to come this year? Or are we really looking at that happening in 2024? You know, that's a whole different conversation. And then you look at linebacker, KU needed to get more athletic. They lost two guys last year, Lorenzo McCaskill and Eric Gilliard. They're kind of stiff. They're more physical players, but Kansas need to be more athletic. And so they got a guy, J.B. Brown from Bowling Green, super athletic players, really flashed in spring practice. He's strong, can squat 600 pounds. He's the type of guy that will start the season probably as a backup, but he's going to be the first linebacker off the bench for KU. And so I think those are probably the big transfer portal guys. I think one more guy I'll mention is, is Tommy Dunn. On the interior, he was a redshirt freshman last year. He played about 15 snaps a game. But if Cincinnati fans want to go watch the bowl game for KU against Arkansas, go to the second half and watch Tommy Dunn. He takes on double teams against the SEC offensive line, holds his own, and a couple times dominates those guys and pushes them back into the backfield. He's the type of guy that I think this year for Kansas, now being a redshirt sophomore, is really going to be expected to make the leap, and I think he's going to start the season. And so I look at him and I say he's the type of guy that can have a breakout season as well. So we mentioned the number one in the country in returning production, the offensive firepower, but also the defensive questions. Then you add in a really tough schedule. They're the only team in the Big 12 that has to play Texas, Oklahoma, and Kansas State. What are kind of the expectations in Lawrence this year when you kind of add all that together? Well, it depends on who you ask, right? Are you going to ask coaches? Are you going to ask you know people right. like myself who covered the team? Or are you going to ask fans? Fans are fans think seven wins, six seven wins. I think they could be a better team this year overall and, and win five games. I, I look at the schedule, and for me, the Illinois game in week two really decides the season because you're looking at the schedule, and you mentioned it, right? They play K State. They've not beat K State in a I think something like a decade now. Oklahoma, Texas, those games are going to be tough. And you look at the rest of the Big 12 schedule, 
okay, they're at home to, to uh, UCF and BYU, but look, going to play Cincinnati at the end of year one for, for Satterfield, that's not going to be an easy game. That's a game they very well could lose. And you're looking at now maybe Iowa State being a winnable game, but you're just looking at, I think, four wins is guaranteed. I think five wins is likely. And getting that sixth win could be tough. So I really look at the Vegas over-under. You know, I think five and a half is probably the right one. I've seen six and a half out there. If it's six and a half, I take the under just because I feel like six wins is where they're going to end up. I just think they're going to do it again where they'll start the season. I think they will beat Illinois. I think they'll start the season pretty well. And then it's going to be a question of can they stay healthy? Can they get some of those 50-50 games, right? Can they maybe beat Cincinnati on the road last game of the season? Could they maybe go on the road and give Oklahoma State a shot? We don't know how good Oklahoma State's going to yeah. be this year, right? So I look at the schedule. There's so many coin flip games, and K was on the right side of a couple coin flip games last year. I, I look at you know West Virginia being one of those. I look at the Iowa I, State I game being saying, one of those. I, was say, I remember watching Iowa State, State game one. I've never seen a kicker. They, they missed. Oh. Yeah, I was that's one of those that like, I remember watching that game in the press box and just leaving being like, what the heck did I just watch? Yeah. Like K you had no right to win that game. And, and they did right. Credit to them. The other guy missed the kicks. They, they score more points in the end, but I look at this team and I think generally they could be a better team this year and, and not win as many games as last year. And I think KU fans, especially, I think have to be mentally prepared for that to happen. Um, which I think too, you're talking about five wins for a Kansas team that, hasn't that'd be the second time they've done that in the last decade i still think that's a good sign of progress and at least building consistency towards being a consistent bowl team so with the new teams coming in to the conference we're obviously not going to go to kgu this year for mm. football um i guess i think we are for basketball but um from just from a football standpoint what are you know ne hopefully next year when we come out there what are some things that UC fans could look forward to, and then obviously Kansas State inter interstate rival. But uh, who else does you know? Does do KU fans? I guess I should say I know the answer is Texas, since they somehow seem to beat them <laughs> beat them no matter what's going on. But who who is KU like? Look forward to to playing every year outside of uh, Kansas State. Yeah, I think Texas is more of like for meme purposes. Right. And like needling, I think KU fans really love needling Texas fans just because it's ridiculous. They right? They should. I, I agree, Chad. They should. Um, I think that's funny. I think Iowa State's one that I think is Iowa State's recruited Kansas City pretty well. And I think that's developed into one where I think Campbell and Leipold have a lot of respect for each other. But I think those two programs, in terms of the fan bases, like to kind of needle and bicker a little bit. Um, I think, I think UCF might have beef with everybody by the end oh, of uh, this buddy, season. Buddy, have, have you started to notice? Have you, have you started to catch on? I, I, I noticed pretty quick. I still follow <laughs> some, uh, you know, fan accounts and stuff, and I see some people uh, beefing with UCF fans. But honestly, I think for for so long, right, KU football has kind of just been the beaten down. So it's not many uh, long-standing rivalries. So I think it's really Kansas State, Texas. They love to needle. And then it's really Iowa State. And then outside of that, I think you'll kind of see if there are chippy moments in some of these games with teams now. Maybe that'll help spark some more rivalries, which I'm all for. I love it. I love when teams don't like each other and it really translates to the game because I think those games are more fun to watch because it's more um, 
it's more intense. Players got oh, more to yeah. play for, right? You know, it's pride and all that stuff. So well, as for what fans can look forward to going to Lawrence, you know, it's a different tailgating scene at KU. Um, the way that, oh man, we'll also got to think about the stadium here. Um, it's going to be under construction. I think when Cincinnati fans come next year, if that's the way the schedule plays out. Um, but the tailgating scene is really cool. So there's a, a hill on campus that kind of leads into the football stadium. And it's a really cool view. You kind of sit there, you look into the stadium, you see the whole thing. Um, it's really cool. And then there's a kind of a neighborhood right behind the stadium where there are a lot of parking lots and people just go park in each other's driveways and tailgates. So it's a really cool kind of family atmosphere around the stadium. Um, but Lawrence itself, I think if fans haven't been, I think they'll be surprised to see what it's like. I think fans, you hear Kansas and you think flat and, you know, KU's up on the top of a hill and I think it's a, a pretty beautiful campus. So I think Cincinnati fans would definitely uh, enjoy getting to see a game at KU. Are you going to be uh, – oh, sorry, Jay, go ahead. I was going to say, are Kansas fans excited to, to come to Nippert in November or December? November, I think so. November? You know, I think the one – obviously, you're talking, you know, Thanksgiving weekend, so I think that's going to be tough. But um, the fans I've talked to, at least that are the ones that travel, I think are really excited. And I think there's a good amount of KU alumni that are in Cincinnati, at least compared to some of the other cities that KU could be going to um, of the new Big 12 team. So I'm interested to see what the KU turnout is going to be like. If it's a if it's a good season for KU, I think it could be a, a good showing. Well, if you, you if you make the trip, get, a, oh, yeah. get in touch with us, and you can. Well, I got the we got the tailgate pregame, so love it. More than welcome to stop by, and I'm sure we'll uh, we'll give you a call again as we get closer to the game to to preview. You know, since it's the last game of the year, we'll see how these two teams have 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 made their way through the the Big Twelve schedule. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what. You know, we're here right now in in early August, and I, we're going to blink, and it's going to be Thanksgiving where we talk about the game again. So I'm looking forward to it. What's your opinion on Jello shots? <laughs> you know, I, I I had a couple when I was in college, and so I, I well, uh, I'm not against. If you, wanna, if you want to come to the tailgate, you're going to have a couple more. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Simone family, the Simone family treats Jello shots like water. So it's like, hey, do you you want a water to hydrate? It's like, hey, you want four Jello shots to hydrate? Yeah, those sound yeah. good. Yep. I love it. I love it. Yeah, yeah K- KU still getting seen as much of uh, Jello shots. It's a lot more barbecue. Well, and, and I don't well, think anybody well, else at Cincinnati no, is either, but the Simone no. family holds them dear. There we go. I love it. Got a so, fridge you know, full. I got a fridge full of them right now. For what? <laughs> Just you never know when you're going to need them. Just Wednesday night. Yeah. <laughs> Michael. Thank you for coming on and joining the craziness that is the BCJ podcast. We uh, we love developing friendships that we're uh, we're finding across the conference, and you jump right to the top of the list, and uh, we appreciate it, man. Thank you. Tell, oh, tell hey. real quick, Michael. Tell everybody where they can get get your work. Yeah, definitely. If you go to uh, fog.net, that's p h o g dot net, or you can just type in Kansas two four seven. You'll be able to find it all, and make sure you're checking in throughout camp and into the season. You guys ignored my question. I just want to know who has better drips, oh. Sauce Gardner or Jalen McDaniels with his new I mean, Apple Watch. Oh, you don't you don't want to know my answer because I, I I mean the, the Apple Watch in the chain is running your highlights on repeat is pretty damn I, awesome. I agree. It's pretty sweet. sweet. I agree. <laughs> I mean, sauce is changing. Having poured having poured actual sauce. sauce. I know. Nice. 
they're both sweet, but I mean, I, I think it's pretty bad. <laughs> you got your own highlights on your chain. Especially at a place like Big 12 Media Days when like you're around everyone else, right? Everyone in the conference gets to see your your highlight chain and the, and the suit. I think, look, credit to him, right? Jalen's got a lot of confidence, and I think that rubs off on the team. And I think they would have loved seeing that on social media. Uh, do you live in Lawrence? I actually live in Overland Park, so I'm probably about 30 minutes away. Okay. I, you know, going to school there, I was like, I think I'm ready for uh, not living in a college town anymore. So I think we are going to rent a bus and bring the entire Bearcat Journal crew to the fog uh, this winter. So be ready. I, you guys will love it. It's so. You cool. might, you might have to get a hotel room that night. <laughs> you, you, you can uh, you show us, show us around town. <laughs> that sounds like a plan. Yeah, you guys should let me know. <laughs> All right, thanks, Michael. Appreciate it, man. Thank you, Michael. Awesome. Thanks, you guys. We'll talk in soon. All right. All right. Thank you. There you go. That was the team ticker. Big 12 look ahead as uh, we're checking them off pretty good, Dave. Like I, I know hey, we have hit all of the original Big 12 teams that you see yep. is played playing this season. And it is just very refreshing to be able to tweet someone that covers a team that responds pretty much instantly who actually knows what the hell they're talking about. I mean, it's, this is this is a wild, wild west of, uh, you know, <laughs> college football. All right. Well, let's get to another sponsor segment. And this time, a special sponsor segment as we bring on the turtle. Bruce. <laughs> How you doing, turtle guys? Brew. This is the turtle from Turtles Brew. What's going on, man? Well, I'm going to step out real quick because I got to go prepare my, my beverages. Yes, I think we sent you samples, didn't we? Yeah, Dave got samples. I, I unfortunately we we just missed each other uh, earlier today for me to get a couple, but I have to behave tonight. I'm hosting Cincy 360 tomorrow at noon on uh, ESPN oh, 1530. So I, I I need to behave. I, I try to be as responsible as possible. I'm not very good at it, but I try. <laughs> yeah, I know. Bruce, the, you're you're the, the you're the guy. You're yeah, the turtle. I'm the guy. Tell us about Turtles Brew. So, uh, yeah. So what happened was a couple of years ago, about two years ago, I was uh, told by the doctor I needed to drop some weight and uh, bring my A1C down, you know, and stuff. So I said, well, as long as I don't have to give up beer. And she's like, well, that's the number one carbohydrate in your diet, apparently, you know, and going on and <laughs> oh, on. And no. I go. So what do I do, Doc? I need I need to relax a little. She's like, "Well, go to distilled liquors like bourbon or vodka." I go, Whoa, I love bourbon. So you, you're telling me you're going to give me a doctor's note? I drink bourbon now. And drink she's my like, beer, more bourbon, turtle. Right. And she goes, "I'm not going to write you a note." I go, "Well, I'm going to tell my wife you said I got a doctor's note." So that first Sunday, you know, when you drink your bourbon like you drink your beer at two o'clock in the afternoon. It ain't a good thing at dinner when everything's burnt. You're sitting across the table. And my wife's there, and she's like with a little finger waving at me. Like, what, what, what's going on there? What is this? I go, I got a doctor's note. I'm drinking bourbon now. She goes, well, let me just tell you, this happens again. You're going to need a damn coroner's note. So I'm like, I got it. Got your point. I, I see what you're saying. I said, so I'll mix it. Well, I mixed it with some very popular diet sodas, and that was terrible. It just melted hey, terrible. Soda. 
And then, oh, it was terrible. And then, so I was like, my buddy says, oh, try sweet tea. I got, I'm trying to get rid of the car, the sugar, man. He goes, we'll get the diet side. And I did, but that was all right. But I was missing my old fashions and my Manhattan, you know, a little bit of flavor in it. You know, once in a while, you spice it up with an orange twist or a, a maraschino cherry, you know, or some sweet vermouth, just a nice drink. So I started making these dietary teas with my dietary sweetener and all my uh, flavorings. And the next thing you know, you know, there we are. I got a jug at, at, the, at my buddy's house and it's got turtles written on it. And everybody's wanting to try it. Next thing you know, the jug's gone and I got nothing to drink. And I got to go to water, <laughs> beer. You know, and I'm like, wait, this is what it's supposed to be. This is diet stuff, guys. Leave it alone. That's mine. Lo- right. They loved it so much. Uh, we turned it into this. Uh, you know, me and my partner, I have very, very good partners. Uh, one of them is uh, Gary. I think uh, Dave met him. He, yep. He's got, he's got a very good nose for uh, flavorings and stuff. And has really been instrumental in helping us develop our 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 brand and stuff. Uh, but yeah, it's now uh, you know I'm on keto and stuff. So I've dropped in seven months when I switched from no beer, just my product. Drop my A1C from 8.2 to 6.2 and changing my diet. No working out, no walking, no running, no nothing. Just simply things I put in my mouth and I've dropped 60 pounds. There you go. Yeah, it's crazy. I was like, and I'm never hungry, which I really love food and it kind of makes me upset. So, (laughs) you know, but I still get to drink my stuff now. It's only 6% and it's gluten free and, uh, 85 calories for 12 ounces, guys. And, you know, it's so like, hey, I'm keeping my calorie count down now, too. Gluten-free. Like, we are the gluten-free network. Like, uh, it's yep. lactic fried chicken is gluten-free. Uh, oh, yeah. Fruit is gluten-free. Like, yep. I, this is this is by accident. But if you're gluten-free, like, we're for you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I love you guys. I'm telling you, Dave, did you get yourself a drink? Yeah, so I got I pull, I got all the, the flavors, but I pulled a couple out. I got the orange vanilla. Yep. And the and the lemonade, lemonade. tea. So yep. I'm gonna that's what they come in. Pour, pour them over ice. No, those are those are sample These bottles. These are like the sample <laughs> bottles. Right now they come in uh, 1.8 gallon tea jugs. So I got so the, the, the like half gallon of milk, oh, half gallon smells, tea. Smells nice. So I'm starting with the uh, orange vanilla. Vanilla. Yeah, that's my old fashioned replacement. All right, that I could get on that. Yeah, you're not going to taste too much tea, not too much sweet. That's the thing. I do not, I do not like tea, but right. that is that is pretty. That's pretty darn good. And now we'll try the yep. and then the, the lemonade the one. We got the bourbon at the right amount, so you don't taste it. Uh, Ooh, you don't I, taste it. I think okay, so I think I like the lemonade tea. <laughs> that one, that like one's good. Yeah, uh, so of, it's, yeah, it's, I mean, it's it's like an uh, a John Daly with bourbon. You know, yeah, that's just they su- call the, out the Arnold the, um, Arnold with, with alcohol. Yeah, the John Daly. So, those but, could um, be those could be dangerous because you really don't get like a a bourbon bite or a right. you know any burn girl, from it. So the girls, we have a very large following of women who don't normally like bourbon. Like sixty percent of our market are women, yeah. and the raspberry peach that we have there. They absolutely mm-hmm. love that. And I got a new one coming out. My partner gave me the uh, idea for and we got it together. Uh, strawberry mint. And it's uh, wow. Yeah, it's it's sweeter tasting because of the strawberry. And uh, 
the big thing is like, oh yeah, I could get into this. It's one of those drinks where you keep drinking it, you don't realize there's alcohol, and next thing you know, you're oh, like, wow, yeah. this is I'm, awesome. Because I'm not like, I'm not a huge bourbon guy, but you, it's not discernible. Like you can, someone that someone that you know drinks a little bit of everything, you know, you don't need to be a bourbon aficionado, right. and you, you you'll yeah. like this. And if you want more bourbon, you just pour it in. Mm-hmm. That's the beauty of it. Yeah. Maybe the mixer already. That's you gotta save some for Chad. Or I got, uh, I send got, him I I got a fridge full, but I don't know the next time I'm gonna see him. They'll probably be gone by then. <laughs> <laughs> don't I'll try to make very je- soon, trust me. Don't try to make jello shots out of them though. <laughs> no. <laughs> Can you? Yeah, I guess you mix it with jello, it'd be only six percent though. You'd yeah. probably eat a whole tray and not get drunk. <laughs> you can do bourbon add some I, if you're gonna yeah. do the jello shots add bourbon right oh yeah i love yeah i, I mean bourbon on ice cream is even good i mean did i say that out loud my <laughs> wife's not around right <laughs> Try, turtle are you are you a big uc guy yeah yeah so um i go to i go down to the bearcat games quite often um some of the uh Gadouli, his dad and i were really good friends and, okay, Dave's, uh, Dave, Dave's, Dave, one, Dave's one of the best humans ever. Cool. Dave, Dave and I go way back, right? And uh, so, yeah, I've been coming down to UC since I was a kid. You know, that's, you know, that's that's what we do. You know, you support your hometown teams and stuff, and that's what we do. How yeah. do they find, how do they find Turtles Brew? And uh, I just, I, I want to make, I want to, ch- this has only been like a seven month thing. Yeah. Like you guys yeah. are only seven months in on this and you have this much yeah. momentum. Yeah. Yeah. We're, 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 it's really going good. It, it's, it's all based on having a good product and then a good message is, is that, you know, you can drink and sort of be healthy, you know, if you're going to drink and not, you know, not have to worry about it. Um, but having a good product that people actually love to taste and get. Uh, we're in like 50 locations around Cincinnati. If you go to turtlesbrew.com, we have a locations map there. And you can click on it, and it'll show you everywhere in Ohio. We're up in Columbus, and we're also in Toledo, and we're expanding every day. I, I'm so. by a location tomorrow when I do radio, so I might have to stop and just grab some while I'm there. Between Go ahead. now and meeting up with with Gary, yeah, get yourself some. I'll tell you, you won't be you won't be disappointed. Uh, it's funny is is uh, when we first went to market with some of the retailers were like, uh, I don't know, you know, it's not like in cans, and now they're like they're coming in buying two and three half gallons at a time. <laughs> <laughs> I go, well, they're loading up Look, for the weekend. So Dave is picky. Dave is someone that is not like he's set in his ways. He's stubborn as hell. If yep. he continues to go back to that cup and shake his head yes, you've got a damn good product. <laughs> Thank I mean, you, Bruce. I'd be honest with you. If it sucked, I'd tell you. Right. Yeah. I, hey, that's and, you know, and I tell people feedback is important to me because we all have different tastes and things. Because you and you have someone here that doesn't dr- really drink bourbon and doesn't drink tea that is telling you that it's good. Thank you. I really appreciate <laughs> so. that. So I knew I was right in not making anything stand out in particular and just make a nice mellow sipper that you can just drink. And I put it in a big Yeti. And my wife goes, you try to cut the grass more now since you created that drink than you ever had. <laughs> I go, well, you know, before the beer would get warm out there on the, on the thing and all foamy. And now this kind of just yeah. 
sits right in the cup and I can go on with it. That's you're like um you're you're oh. like the 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 guy from uh the the duck hunter guys. The oh yeah. The, yeah. the tea. Yeah. You're like yeah. him but with turtles. Brew. Oh, <laughs> Uncle Sai. Yeah, he's just like him but with turtles brew. Yeah, Silas, he's a funny. I love that guy. Yeah. He carries around the old school sweet tea jug and the original yeah. Tupperware cups. I like now I'm dating myself, but yeah, those old cups, I remember them things. So where uh, can where can people find I see you got logos on here for Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Yep. We're all where, over the social media, turtles at turtlesbrew.com or at turtlesbrew for all the social media. Tag us, like us, go out there, check it out. Uh like I said, we're all over Cincinnati and east side anderson atp is uh, one of the bars we're in the montgomery inn uh boathouse we're in swamp water grill um you know we're all over water grill's good yep we're at mio's down there on short vine that's one of our spots that's That's it our long time friend yeah you go to after practice and go to lunch go get a godfather and yep, get a, there you get go. a turtles brew with and your I, grandfather. Uh, we'll be over there. Hopefully, I, I think we're going to do. Aren't they doing uh, closing short mind for every home game this year in football? Yeah. I'm hoping to be down there running a uh, sample stand uh, at Mio's right outside. So um, bringing, bringing the, the bourbon lover's tea to the, to the masses and getting people to try it. And uh, I think we are in that little. Uh, Shell State, that BP right there, uh, Jefferson, the corner of okay. Jefferson, yeah. right there. Well, I'll I'll be there a lot too. What's the so. uh, What's the retail price on these, Bruce? Uh, fifteen ninety nine. It comes in a half gallon. It's like half gallon, so it's it's a lot of drinks. Beautiful. It's it. your average light beer is four point two. You know your all those other light beers are four point. This is six percent, so you're getting more alcohol and a better alcohol for it. And you're drinking sweet tea and bourbon. Like, yeah, I mean, it's it's beautiful. <laughs> well, we love the partnership, man. We are excited Thank to get you. this thing rolling. And Definitely. we're going to have to get some samples for the Simone family tailgate as well. Hey, just holler and let me know where to drop them. All right, man. We'll be happy Great. to come down there and show up and bring everything. Love it. Love it, man. I, it, look, like I said, I'm not kidding. Dave's a tough nut to crack. He will tell you straight. <laughs> if it wasn't good, he'd have been like, yeah, yeah that's not for me. Uh, yeah, but I've seen him have five extra sips uh, as we've done <laughs> six. So if you're a, yeah, I'm an old Sonic guy. I used to treat myself. The cherry lime came from the cherry lime slush. All right. And, and then a, a slowdown on the way home. There was an accident and their traffic was stopped for a long time. And I just Portable happened at the bourbon store next before as I at Jungle Gyms. And right. Yeah. And I was like, I had some space open in the top. It was just calling my name. And I tried it. <laughs> All right. Next thing you know, wow, that's really good. Except for all the sugar that was in it, but it was good. <laughs> well, you're welcome to come on and talk Bearcats with us anytime, man. And uh, Thank we, you. we are we are big fans of having you guys on board and looking forward to look. If you drink it, tag us, tag right. Turtles Brew at exactly. Turtles Brew. Let's start a movement like we did with Galactic. Uh, we didn't need to start a movement for Holy Grail. Everybody knew them. They, they us. <laughs> yes. uh, but let's start a movement with Turtles Brew. I want you guys to try it and let us know what you think. Yep. So, Give us uh, your feedback. Bruce, thank you, man. We appreciate it. Thank you, guys. I Thanks, appreciate Bruce. it. Thanks, Turtles. You guys have a good night. You we'll too, you man. Uh, you're the. I mean, you're you're the man behind the drink. Like 
Not kidding. You would have told that man straight to his face. That ain't for me. I mean, I don't like either of those things. <laughs> How would that be as a tailgate drink? Be oh, it'd be great. Dangerous. Oh, for sure, for sure. Because it's it you do like. I don't like bourbon, and you really don't pick up on the characteristics of, especially bad bourbon. Like yeah. you know, when you have a a bad bourbon, you can feel it in your chest. And <laughs> right. You, I mean, there's three or four. You know, I think four different flavors. And to be five with the yeah. strawberry mint or whatever. So yeah, I mean, I would think if you could very easily, you know, it, I think it'd be good when it's warm. Or good when it's hot because you have to throw it on some ice, and it'd probably still be good as it gets colder. You could add a little bit more of your own bourbon to it, like you said, and like a and kind drink. of and have it warm you up a little bit. But you have a, a little bit of a mixer in there already. All right, there you go. Well, I mean, I didn't know what to think. Like, I'm not gonna lie. Like, somebody tells you they're doing like a bourbon sweet tea, you don't know what to think. Mm -hmm. But uh, looks like we hit another home run. There you go. That's the Turtles Brew timestamp. Brought to you by Turtles Brew. So we're, we're just crushing ad reads. Just. And uh, we, we have a new sponsor, Dave, uh, to add to the list. And this is somebody that's been a sponsor in the past. Somebody that we love working with. And somebody that is back in the fold all the way through December. You know who that is, Dave? I do because you told me. Home, home field. field apparel home field apparel they are a premium collegiate apparel brand based in indianapolis they have a commitment to creating incredibly comfortable officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs they've got over 150 colleges to choose from including the cincinnati bearcats and here's here's my favorite part of this dave as part of this home field partnership. If you go to homefield.com and make a purchase and you enter BCJ23, you get a discount. You get 15%, I believe it's 15% off. Let me see. They didn't have Excellent. That. Well, they had a, I, I believe it, I don't think it was last week, maybe two weeks ago. The days are running together. Um, yeah, 15%. But they had a uh, a one day buy one get one half off sale on UC stuff that I tweeted out. So hopefully, hopefully people saw that and took advantage of that. I mean, the apparel's phenomenal. I have UC stuff. I have Tennessee stuff. Rachel has Michigan State stuff. Uh, it, it's great. You know, for anybody yeah. that loves the retro logos, I love all the other you know other schools as long as they're not like super you know rivals or competitors of you yeah like I, I did a i did a um one that when they were doing the mystery shipments and they were just sending out like all kinds of stuff i i told them they owed me i think they owed a like an off a deal they owed me like 200 bucks and i was just like send me a couple mystery packs and we'll be good and they were like any any like requests and i said if you send me xavier i will burn all of it but anything but Xavier, uh, and we're good. So yeah, they, I got. I think I got the School of Mines. Uh, yeah, that, that Colorado was an awesome School one. of Mines. Yep. Yeah, I got. I got a Wisconsin one. Ironically. Yeah. 
Uh, I got a UCLA hoodie for Kelly and Kelsey. Um, cause they both, you know, they love to support Mick cause Mick's been awesome to our family over the years. So yeah, we, we have a ton. I got a Florida Gator one. Do you they think they're going to have any, any retro pack 12 stuff soon? Maybe like it might all be retro. <laughs> we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, but 15% off you enter BCJ 23 on your first order. You can't do this 20 times, but on your first order, enter BCJ 23 and you will get your discount of 15%. Look, and they've got got the uh, joggers now. They've got hoodies. They've got crewnecks. They've got uh, uh, quarter zips. And Aaron will attest, the gray hoodie is the best hoodie I've ever – it's the most comfortable hoodie I've ever owned. So – and I've owned a lot of hoodies. I'm I'm an old fat hoodie It's super soft. Yeah, the, the, the crew neck and the hoodie are both super soft. I'm jealous that you have the, the jars. Yeah, that was I, – I, well, I spent a lot. I didn't – those were not uh, gifts from home field. I don't mean to I interrupt. I wanted those so bad. I, I don't thought. mean to interrupt, but I have, I have breaking news. Okay. Uh, just posted by Ross Dellinger, Arizona Board of Regents has announced a meeting Thursday night, as in tonight. Here's the agenda. A, pursuant to whatever numbers and letters – and for a review of assignments for Arizona State University President Michael Crow and the University of Arizona President Robert Robbins, B, pursuant to, again, a bunch of numbers and letters, for possible legal advice and discussion regarding university athletics. Arizona and Arizona State are going to the Big 12, boys and girls. <laughs> Today's Wednesday, not Thursday. Oh, sorry. Yeah, See, I, I just said I'm getting my all my days mixed up. So tomorrow. I'm, I'm, here, I'm here to help. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. But. Anyway, yeah, um, I don't really think you'd have a meeting like that with the two school presidents talking about athletics on August 2nd if something wasn't going on. You wouldn't think. No. I mean, Shear, Jason Shears, uh, we're going to do the, the camp stuff. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. But, you know, home field. Was, the home field read is for camp. Update. It's for camp. So For the foreseeable future. Day one, camp. You were there. First impression. I hate. I hate asking the you know the, the talk about or tell me about. But like first impressions, day one, fall camp. What 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 jumped out to you uh, today? I think the wide receiver room is going to be okay. Okay. Good. I think the wide receiver room is going to be okay. So I, you guys know, I was limited in the spring. But one of the things I gathered from the spring was that I thought D. Wiggins and Donovan Ali were pretty good. Braden Smith was outstanding today. Scott Satterfield said, you know, he had the knee injury in 2021 and played last year, but never really looked, you know, like the guy that he was coming off the knee injury. I I think Keegan underlined his name like six times today. Yeah. During practice. I mean, he just kept making plays. And it's what Satterfield mentioned in the post-practice video, like he understood, you could tell he had a feel for where there was going to be gaps in the defense, what spot he needed to be in, what, what space he needed to run across to present himself. And then he made the cut and he made the catch and he made a play. And he was, he was really impressive. Dean Wiggins was the guy that we saw in the spring. Um, He was very good. And uh, Donovan Ali made, I think, 
three or four really, really nice catches, big plays as well. Um, so if those are your top three guys, I feel pretty good. And then you're going to have Xavier Henderson, who is still getting up to speed. And remember, Braden Smith is going to have a decided advantage, having already played in this system. So Xavier Henderson is going to have to work his way uh, up into the mix uh, as he gets going and compete with Donovan Ali for that other outside right. spot. I think D. Wiggins is a starter. But, I so, mean, if you feel good about, like, I'm not, I don't know the levels that we feel good about, but, like, if you, yeah, feel, just, if you feel pretty good about D. Wiggins and Donovan Ali. I feel right. at ease that the, the wide receiver room is going to be okay. That's what I'm getting at. Like, if you feel pretty good about D. Wiggins and Donovan Ali, and we, we feel like Xavier Henderson, Xavier Henderson will at some point show, you know, similar to what he did last year at Florida. And then, you you know, you have a slot guy that kind of can step in, understands the system, is healthy. I mean, there's four quality wide receivers. Obviously, you need more. But that is that is at least a good baseline to then hopefully you bring in, you know, Chris Scott continues the progress he's made. Aaron Turner is, is a guy in the slot with maybe Barry Jackson, so you feel good about that group. And then I'd say you'd be looking at, like, who else is going to step up on the outside. But it, at least, hopefully, again, no pads, nobody's, you know, it's day one. But <clears throat> it seems like it's trending to a spot that it's not like this just barren wasteland of of guys that just can't play at this level. Yeah. Sorry, I had to do some. Hey, I'm back. Yeah, um, I mean, we've seen guys that can't get open. We know what that. We at least know what that well, looks like. <laughs> and and here's the bright side of that, Dave. Yeah, Evan Prater. That we didn't talk about. You have in terms of outside guys. Yeah, right. Buckhalter, who's got potential. You've got Chris Scott that that's been here for a while. So you have three guys that I feel pretty good about already. And then three more guys behind them that I think have a chance to, to be pretty good. Right. So it's remarkable what this recruiting department has done in a room where you need 12 guys typically to, and to be effective. And they've got roughly eight, nine, 10 Right now, that, that you feel at least okay about. Yeah, I mean, and I think you're. I think I'm not speaking out of turn that this offense and this philosophy is going to be run based. Sure, it's going to be. They're not I mean, throwing forty times a game. Scott said, "I don't." I mean, I'm not going to say tempo, whatever, but like, it's going to be ball control. It's going to be run. It's going to be punt. It's going to be handed over to the defense. They're not going to be snapping the ball every eight seconds where you need 15 wide receivers because you're running in and out and you're Tennessee or you're UCF or whatever. Like you need, you know, like you said, seven, eight legit guys that you can count on. And, and it seems like, you know, some probably need to step up more than others, but and keep and keep progressing. But sure. I think those, those pieces are there, whether they're starters or backups, like, you still need good backups. Like you still need, 
you know, you, you got to have got, we know it. I mean, we're good. That's the thing. I mean, coach Satterfield talked about it is he mentioned, I thought it was interesting. He mentioned yesterday about how, like, we're probably not going to see a lot of Dante in camp because we know what Dante can do. We need to find out what the twos and the threes can do because that, that is where this season will be decided. In my opinion is if guys get hurt and the twos and the threes are just not, either ready or not capable to give you I'm not going to say the same production because they're back they're not starters for sure. a reason but if they're not able to give them adequate replacement production then the season's going to get off track so you've got to be able to find out what you have eight deep at receiver you know nine deep on the defensive line same thing on the offensive line like so that's the thing that this team and this roster is going to have to show is that the starters might be fine, but when it's week eight, week nine, how many of those guys are out? How many of those guys are banged up? Do we have the necessary, you know, fill-ins to not have a big drop-off? I talked about that with, uh, I was on LW today with Rocky. And that's one of the things that we talked about is like the, the difference in being in a BCS a power five, a BC, like whatever, power four tomorrow, um, <laughs> whatever we're talking about, the difference is depth. Like those teams have recruited at a higher level, more consistently for a longer amount of time, and they have more sustainable depth. And so we're going to find that out as this thing goes along. And, and like, if we're being honest with each other, Dave, that's the concern about the receiver room, right? Like, a lot of these guys are talented, but what has held back their career has been injuries. We, we've seen it with D Wiggins. We've seen it with Braden Smith. We've seen it with Xavier Henderson. I don't think Donovan Ali has had any of those issues, but Chris Scott has been dinged up at times. Evan Prater was, was dinged up at quarterback. Like the, these guys haven't exactly been the model right. of health. So that is my concern more than anything with that wide receiver room. But on Wednesday, they were healthy and they looked competent. <laughs> and I think that was the biggest development for me of the day. All right. Excellent. Um, I really don't want to ask about offensive line, defensive line, because, like, I don't know it what doesn't you can... matter yet. Right. Like, I have names. Yeah. I mean, you posted, like, for anybody that hasn't read, I'll just say, like, because that doesn't even necessarily matter. Like, the first group. Sure. You... Did anybody just from a, what they were doing in drills or from a physical appearance, like jump out to you, you know, positively, negatively, what, you know, however you want to say it from an offensive line standpoint, just because we have so many new parts, this is kind of the, the first real chance you've gotten, gotten to get eyes on um, DeAndre Buford. Uh, it looks like there's you know, some switching going, some different positions from spring so what you know? What is your first impressions of the offensive line as a whole uh, from today? Buford is small for a tackle at this level. Like that, that's one of the things that jumps out at you when you see him. Like he's listed at six three three fifteen. I like that three fifteen might have been what he was when he got here. He did not look three fifteen today. He, he certainly looks six three uh, when when you're standing next to a bunch of guys that are. Six five, six six. Ethan Green, you know, right. six seven. Um, he does not have the traditional size 
that you would think of as a starting right tackle in the Big 12. I will be interested to see, especially, you know, he's going to get Eric Phillips and Jawan Briggs and Malik Mann and Justin Watley uh, at times all lined up over him. So it'll be interesting to see how he handles uh, those type of guys. Um, I, that that one jumped out that, you know, you see the 6-3 and then you see it next to guys that are that are bigger and you're like, man, that is – that is not what you think of when you think of like James Hudson and right. You know, um, it has to be. Yeah, it has to be a lean, and you're not going to be able to tell this today. But it has to be a play from an from an athletic technique and athleticism. Like, yeah, like getting him outside, getting him on the move, like getting him in space where it's not as important to be that. You know, huge presence. It's sure. more important to be able to get out lead block um in in that regard which they'll do obviously in in this type of of a running scheme but you still need to be able to anchor and sit down and not get rocked back into the quarterback so and and height doesn't necessarily you know you asked me a question i answered it that's how we do this right but typically if you're not you know you're on the shorter side you're also going to have shorter arms so, he does have long arms. Okay. So. Like he does, you can tell he's got long, he's got a good wingspan. He does not look like a T-Rex out there. So I will give him that. Um, but that that more is I think early, day one, day two, you know, before the pads go on, like the early part of camp. I think you're watching and looking for things that you say, okay, I'm gonna watch how this develops as we get to higher ground, as we get to day seven, day nine, like when we're in the real grind of camp, how does a guy like that hold up? And so it's just something that's going to be on my list, like checklist of let's watch these things and see. Um, Trevor Radosevich, I have a hard time believing eventually he's not going to be one of your top five guys. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's no knock on D'Artagnan Tinsley, uh, who was at left guard today, who I think that's the most likely spot that Radosevich ends up. Um, but I, I just that that guy is savvy. He's a veteran. He's played a lot of snaps. He knows what he's doing. But like I said in the article today or in the camp report today, um, it makes sense if he's going to be your backup center that you spend the early part of camp having him getting him time as the backup center. Right. Like getting him as many reps as you can at center, because I think the luxury with a veteran offensive lineman is that you can just say, okay, tomorrow you're at left guard. And he knows what that means, what that takes. So uh, I understand it from that standpoint and that maybe Tensley is awesome. Uh, after we did the video on Monday, like I asked Satterfield about him off, you know, off the camera. And he said, he's had a great summer. Like he's really impressed us as a guy that's ready to be one of those top six, seven guys on our offensive line. So that part of it makes sense. Um, I just think Radosevich, I really liked what I had a chance to see from him in the spring. And I think he'll end up being one of the top five guys. But if he's not, you got a hell of a super sub at guard and center. Yeah. And that's that's invaluable as well. 
Well, especially, I mean, we've, we, we're, we're concerned about the starters. So obviously you're going to be concerned about the depth. If he ends up being a depth piece that, I mean, that it's going to come into play at some point. Like he's good. We're not going to go the whole year where Trevor Radosevich is the backup center and backup guard and just never sees the field. Like I find that extremely hard to believe. Um, Flipping it over defensively again, it's hard. There's no, they're not allowed to do anything. Um, what, if anything, on that side of the ball caught your eye? Um, I mean, I'll just go through some of the names that I had that made plays today at defensive back. Uh, Raquan Atkins made a play today. Uh, DJ Taylor made a couple plays today. Kellen Carroll made a couple plays today at corner. DJ Taylor at safety. Uh, Dion Hunter, who I forgot was on the roster, uh, the transfer from New Mexico, uh, linebacker made a play yep. down the field in coverage, uh, had a pass breakup. Uh, Justin Harris had a pick on Emory Jones, where it was a bad ball from Jones. He was trying to throw that deep or not that deep, but that, that wide, uh, dig that wide, you know, out play to the sidelines. He didn't get enough on the throw, left it a little bit inside. And uh, Justin Harris made the right play, made a pick. Um, Sammy Anderson had a pass breakup, uh, had, enough, had a couple pass breakups. <laughs> and uh, Deshaun Pace had one that you that it was a tough, tough play. He got outside uh, and made a pass breakup in space on a slot receiver. I think it was uh, it was either Braden Smith or uh, Aaron Turner. Uh, by the way, Aaron Turner is not small and like shifty. He looks like a running back. Okay. Like that kid's got some like some build, some he's small, short, but short, but he's not small. Um, he had pretty good sized shoulders, good size upper body. I was I was pleasantly surprised. He looks like a scat back kind of that that you play out of space. Um Mm-hmm. And th- that'll give them some versatility because that's kind of like having a back, an extra back that you have out in, you know, passing formations. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I, I thought the DBs were, were solid today. They didn't do a ton of team today. So there was a lot of one-on-one. So when you, you have to temper guys making plays in one-on-one because guess what happens? There's a snap every six, seven seconds for like 10 minutes. Yeah. So if, if, if nobody's making plays, then you're in big trouble. Um, <laughs> so I, I try to dial back on some of the, like I didn't give a bunch of like individual plays and stuff today just because they weren't doing a bunch of team stuff yet. There was a bunch of install, uh, which Satterfield told us on Monday, early in camp, we're going to hit install hard. And then we're going to let them kind of see where they're at as we get out to higher ground and we start moving forward to figure out if we have to go back and revisit or if we can continue uh, with new stuff. Mm-hmm. So it, it was what we expected today in terms of what we were told. Um, you know, we're very big in here on listen to what they tell you. Like they're going to tell us the truth until they don't. And what they told us was going to be the case of practice today is what we saw at practice today. So um, I liked it. I, I, I thought, again, same thing we talked about at the beginning of spring. The pace of practice is impressive. 
there's no wasted motion. There's no, um, we're going to do this period for 14 minutes when it was scheduled for 10. Like when that whistle blows 10 minutes, it's, it's time to go to the next thing. Uh, you can argue whether that's good or bad, I guess, depending on uh, coaching philosophy from your couch. Uh, but that's kind of how Satterfield and company run things. <laughs> he's, he's a big hands during practice guy. He's a, especially in the setting today, a lot of install. It was a lot of like positional um, or like unit stuff. He lets his guys do what he hired them to do. And then, like he said, after practice, they go up and watch tape and then he cracks the whip based on what he sees on tape. But uh, I, I like a coach that's willing to say, I hired you guys to teach these guys their positions. I'm not going to uh, meddle. Well, also, a lot of these guys he's coached with a long time. Like, they better be able to run the practice without him standing over their shoulder and coming in and telling the players they need to be doing this instead of this or, you know, having more emphasis on on this element of it. So, yeah, I mean, he's – Don't don't get me wrong. Luke did a lot of that as well. Luke was kind of the same, similar way. Now, he would go like – he would go coach the the linebackers a little bit more or, you know, maybe get involved, uh, you know, when they're doing defensive install uh, a little bit more than we saw Sat today. But that's not to say that Sat won't be doing that. You know, that we're no. also talking about how Luke was five and six years into his tenure here uh, as opposed to what he was, you know, week first, one. I think it's, it's just commonplace. Like you're a first year head coach, like, you feel like you need to be involved. You need to be letting everybody know that, like, this is the way it needs to be done. Where Set has been a head coach for a, a decade plus yeah. or thereabouts. He's worked with a lot of these guys. Like, I'm pretty sure Brad Glenn knows what is to be expected from the wide receivers. Like, I don't, I don't think Scott needs is going to be over there. You know spending a ton of time coaching <laughs> alongside him with the, with the wide receivers. Right. Um, you know, offensive line, defensive line is always hard on day one. Running backs are always difficult on day one. Uh, I'll give a, a podcast exclusive here. I think Ethan Wright's going to be in the mix with Miles Montgomery and Corey Kiner. Not, and and what, Sat talked today about keeping him healthy. Yep. which is critical uh, because that has been a problem for Ethan. Uh, so maybe we don't see as heavy of a workload as, uh, you know, early in camp. But uh, he was right in there mixing in with the ones with Miles Montgomery and Corey Geiner. So he will have a chance to make that type of splash. What else you got? Any questions? Anything else for today? Um... I mean, I think we, it's just, there's, yeah, it's not a lot that can be taken from today and projected. Like, you know. No, there were no positions. Like, we're not, we're not far enough down the line that like all of a sudden you show up and like three guys are at new positions. And like that that wasn't where we were at today. Like, you kind of had an idea at the end of spring 
and then you wait and see, okay, like let me get an eye on, on some of the new guys. Oh, I did think he didn't do a ton today, but I like the look of Jabril White, the, the Juco safety that they signed. Yeah. Um, he looked like he fit in. He didn't look like out of place or not talented enough. And sometimes guys will show up and you'll be like, yeah, it's, it's that ain't it. it. Yeah, it ain't it. That ain't it. That was not the case with him. Did you get, to talk, guy... you get to talk to Nico? Uh, oh, yeah. Nico came up, dapped me up, gave me a big hug. Told it's me like, I got to I gotta get out there so I can, we can, uh, we can talk some, some food, some, uh, some, you know. Get, get the lowdown on, on some on some on some dudes. Yeah, I mean, they're, he's one of the best dudes I've ever met. So I, I you know, getting to see him every day is going to be a lot of fun. He's giving me a little grief for agreeing to do radio tomorrow uh, on day two of camp, but you know, I'm a I'm a team guy, Dave. So we got Keegan yeah. for right. Keegan will be there. So no, I, I mean I think that's that's a good. And, and plus, you you have a piece up about today. We got video up with Coach Satterfield, Jawan Briggs, Gavin Gerhart, Mason Fletcher. Keegan's got some got a, a column up as well. Like for for day one, there's there's plenty to digest um, of sights and sounds around Nippert Stadium. I say this every year, but I say it more confidently this year than any that we've ever had. There will be no one that produces more content and does more work than us for this camp. Like we have the team, right? Uh, Reagan will be out tomorrow. Keegan will be there. Uh, I know, you know, you and, and when possible, Brent and Aaron are going to be in town. I'll be there every day but there's maybe one where i think i have to take kelsey to get a, a physical for sports uh but other than that like i will be there every day we are going to be on top of it and just crushing content throughout training camp like i'm i'm what would Wes say fired up fired up how we're positioned to cover this you? camp will you, will you be fired up and email me the camp schedule i can do that thank you just so I can see, just so I can see how many of these I'll actually be able to attend. Um, but yeah, I mean, we are one month, boys and girls, one month from today. Yeah, BKU three thirty, Newport Stadium. It's gonna go fast. Yeah, that's the, that's always the thing. Is it's like, man, camp is a lot. No, no season goes faster than college football season. Yeah, because it's it's like it's it's anticipation, and then bang, and then anticipation, and then bang, and then like it's over. <laughs> yep. So, be looking forward to catching what Keegan has up uh, tomorrow. Seeing what you guys have on Saturday. He's gonna he's gonna play my role tomorrow, uh, and do the the, the camp report. I would hope so, since you won't be there. Right. And camp report is like the number one priority. So he's going to do the camp report, uh, and we'll get that to you guys 
and then I'm sure there'll be video and, and he'll get some interviews and some stuff like that. So uh, worry not. Like you're you're going to be if you're and if you're on the fence, if you're watching this and you're not a Bearcat Journal subscriber, Take right now seventy five percent off, right? Seventy five percent off Wednesday, Wednesday and Thursday. Thursday at midnight, the deal is over. If you're watching this and you haven't subscribed, I'm telling you, you will get it's like twenty six dollars for a year. You will get twenty six dollars worth of coverage just in camp at camp alone. I can guarantee you that. So you'll get a whole year of stuff for like three weeks of coverage. So it, it's worth it. Go check it out. If you're listening to the podcast and you're you're on the fence, if you're watching the, the video, the vlog, whatever on YouTube, I can guarantee you, give it a try. It's like $2.44 a day or a month. And you'll get less than 10 cents a day you'll get more UC content than your brain can handle. I promise. So just go to BearcatJournal.com, click on join, and join for a year, and you'll get the discounted price. And you can uh, you, you can see exactly why so many of the UC fan base make us their home and why we've become the best community on the internet. I agree. Don't believe what the haters tell you. I'm not mean. I might be mean. You, you've, certainly, uh, you've certainly you've uh, certainly mellowed on on the X.com of late. I, I just don't care anymore. <laughs> like, hey, you, you finally come <laughs> over to you finally listen to me say it enough times where I think it's it's finally just bled in. Can we, can we be honest? I think there was a lot of it over the past five or six years that uh, I needed yeah, to yell exactly. at people for sure. Like I, you know. I couldn't yell at anybody here because of everything that was going on. I needed a place to yell at people. And now I just don't care. Like, mm -hmm. I, I don't care. If you don't agree, if you think I'm wrong, okay. Uh, my track record says that in the long run, I'm pretty good at this. So I, I don't need to argue with you about <laughs> my uh, accuracy anymore. I'm over it. I'm over it. Let's uh let's talk a little recruiting. All right. Bear, Bearcat's got a big one yesterday in uh yes. almost four star. I think ESPN has him as a four star. Everybody else in the composite world has him as a high three star. Running back Jason Patterson, Sneeds, Florida. Twenty seven hundred yards last season. Th Thirteen yards a carry. Adds to a class that already has uh, Jacorant. Wait, I'm gonna forget it. I'm gonna blank on his last name real quick. That's bad. Um, Jacorant, Ca what? Caffey? Is that right? Coffee? So, Caffey? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. But, you know, two high level, big, bigger backs, too. Um, you know, you're talking yeah. in the 200, one, you know, who knows what the real numbers are. 195 to 205, somewhere in that range. Big, bigger high school running backs. Post retweeted something today, uh, showing where he shows off his speed. I mean, re really, really good get. Beat out a final group that had Kentucky, Vanderbilt, Boston College, and Rutgers in it. Um, you know, if you're going to run the damn ball, you need some damn running backs. And, you know, they got a couple couple guys here, Manny Covey in the last class, 
you know, so uh, really, really good get. You know, Florida does their divisions weird. He plays in a rule one. So it's, you know, I think the question is probably going to be the competition, but he shows all the athletic traits, all the all the running traits that you want to see from a running back. And, and I think it's a really, really, really good add for an offense that, like I said, is going to look to – to run a lot and run people over. We've talked about in the past, you know, Scott Satterfield's offense last four years, only team in the country to average over 200 yards rushing and 200 yards passing each of those four seasons. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong. I think he led Florida in rushing. I mean, if he ran for 2,700 yards, I'd say he had a pretty good shot. Yeah, I think he led Florida in rushing last year, like the entire state. Yeah, so I mean, what we have him as a twenty-four-seven has him as a top twenty-five running back in the country. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yep. So you know, up to 20, 20 high school commits. Who knows if the if there'll be more before the season? Um, you know, these guys are certainly. Always looking, you know, Zach Grant, GM, was was uh, had some nice publicity today from 247, kind of like a 30 under 30, whether they're coaches or personnel guys. So they, they there was some nice stuff uh, about him today. So that group is, is really doing a good job. Uh, 2025, it's a little – a lot of people, if you're not – if you don't follow it super close, yesterday was the day that – 2025s could be contacted by coaches. Up until then, it was the player, the recruit, had to contact them, or the interaction had to be on campus. So yesterday was a barrage. I posted a lot of the the Ohio ones that I saw on the board in a 2025 recruiting thread. Too many to just put all of them out there or re- retweet all of them. Um, but tried to n- tried to draw some attention to the locals. Uh, some offers have gone out and also the last couple of days to some 2025. So anymore, man, there's not really like a, a start and an end to each class cycle. It's just nonstop. I was talking to the couple, a couple of the recruiting guys the past two or three days, and they, they were reiterating the same thing that, like, I was like, "Oh, like, uh, you know, you you got, you, you got, you got Patterson done." Not that they were allowed to comment on that, but uh, you know, hey, congratulations on that thing that didn't happen today. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Like now, camp starts. It used to be like camp started. The recruiting guys had at least a little bit of a window where they were good until like the football season started and they started watching tape of, you know, guys that were playing high school football. And they're like, man, it's like, no, there's no, there's no chill. There's no stop. There's no, there's no break. It is all gas. Like somebody disconnected the brake line and we just blast through the night, like 24 seven. Well, yeah. Now that you have the junior, official visits yeah you know you a guy could 
take five official visits over the summer of going into his senior year and or going into his junior year, I mean, and have a decision. I mean, we're, yep. we're seeing that. I mean, John Kitten's son committed to Houston yesterday. Like, he's a 2025 quarterback. Yeah. You know, there's Chris Henry Jr. committed to Ohio State. He's a 2026 kid. Like, there is, right. there is not really, like, you know, I don't know when it kind of made the shift, but it it felt like back. I'll I'll use the the cliche back in the day. It felt like <laughs> you really didn't truly start getting in on the next class until the class that was going to sign that next signing day was pretty much done. Right. Um, and now it's no. I mean, they're all running congruent to each other now. It's chaos. Like it legitimately is chaos the way that this is is done now. Um, more power to those guys, man. Like you, you talk about well, and that's that's the thing, like they're gonna the but NCAA, whatever, they're going to have to come up with a way to have a more realistic calendar because you're we've already seen it and we're gonna start seeing it more where good coaches are not going to want to coach in college and they're just going to want to coach ball and they're going to make their way to the NFL. Or they're going to drop down to high school and go, look, like if they're not NFL quality, they're just going to say, you know what? Like, I just want to coach ball. I'm going to go coach a high school team somewhere and make my $60,000 or whatever, get my teaching certificate and like, just be done with this. It's just not a a calendar and a schedule that's conducive to to keeping, keeping good coaches are you know around and wanting to keep progressing in your sport when you literally don't get like they they go on vacation they're recruiting while they're on vacation like there's no way they're just like oh yeah i'm gonna disconnect in in july or late june whatever early july before camp starts. during camps yeah during camps they're gonna yeah. disconnect during camps yeah that doesn't happen any like They've got to figure out a way to to clean that the clean the recruiting calendar up where there is legitimately and, like long stretches of dead periods. Who who are the who are the young guys in this business? The guys that work in the recruiting department. Yeah. Oh and yeah. Guess what? They're getting slaughtered. Oh yeah. Like they're going home. They're they're 27, 28 years old. They're getting to work at eight in the morning. They're going to home going home at ten o'clock at night. And they're doing that six and a half days a week. Like they're they're in that window where an off day is a day where you only work six hours. Uh, basketball, Matt, basketball is in the process of changing the recruiting calendar. Um, but this is a lot deeper than what basketball is changing is when the, the uh, recruiting staff can be on the road. They're not changing recruiting. They're just changing what weeks on the calendar that they're out uh, at AAU and and summer high school events. Like they're not changing that the transfer portal has consumed uh, April. Like April is just transfers. And part of May is just transfers. And then you know, the end of May into June and July is all summer recruiting. And then August, uh, you get 
uh, on-campus visits. You get to breathe because you're you're doing most everything on campus. But then when school starts back up, you're back coaching the team again. Like it's it's relentless the way that the NCAA has set this up. It is relentless. You cannot escape it. And that's from talking to football and basketball guys that are dealing with this schedule. Like I don't know how you could like I don't know how you could be how much work it would take to be a good parent. Like you're living in a one parent household where daddy comes home and says hi for a little bit. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of like head chefs. Like those guys, like chefs work 15 hours a day, six days a week. Like that, that's what we're getting to in terms of the requirement for coaches when it comes to mixing recruiting and coaching. It's wild. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) it's like, what kind of drugs is Nick Saban on? Yeah. To like to like be able to have and Mac Brown, like how do they possibly have like not even like it's not even like they are like that I mean, maybe they're not as involved as they once were, but like they still have to be on and they still have to be present yeah. all all the time. And they still I, have I, to have the meetings and still have to have the knowledge and still have to know these are the guys we want here and these are the guys that we don't. I'm sure at that age, some of it includes trusting people more than you want to. But do you really think Nick Saban is co-signing like you're in charge of this and I'm not? But they're still there. Of, That's what I mean. Like right. they're still there. They're still on all those times. They might not be grinding over tape and right. and like they did 30, 20, 30 years ago, but like they're still there from whatever time to whatever time. So it's like yeah. Yeah, it, there there needs to be some major changes in that regard, or are you going to just start losing quality people? And it does it to us too, because now we have to be not not to compare us to what they're putting up with in any way, shape, or form. But like, there's no there's no downtime in this because the NCAA has allowed a system where it never stops. I, I have a question for you on that. Okay. How much of this is, do you think, maybe keeping up with the NFL that's created a 24-7, 365 industry? Like, if you're going to be relevant anymore, like, they're relevant every day of every month. They're relevant because they've set up their calendar. I know. The coaches don't have to be, like, involved like that. Like, once, like, the draft is over... And you have those initial rookie mini, OTAs, rookie OTAs, and mini camps, right. which continually get more and more condensed. And like you know, we right. know in Cincinnati, like Zach Taylor, he's like, it's a you know, it's a joke. They don't even really do anything. It's like one day, couple hour walk. Like, yeah, the summer. Yes, they're there and they're working, but like the summer is not any like. At, that's always why I laugh when if a, if an NFL coach ever talks about like how much they work and how they like sleep in their office and like why yeah. you're doing you're doing it wrong like you don't have to go to Rotary Club you don't have to go host camps you don't have to go recruit you don't have to go talk to donors like all you got to do is coach and in the middle of the summer there's nothing to coach you're not because the way the collective bargaining agreement works is you can't right. just have practice all year. 
So, like, there's nothing for you to do. So, yes, I would absolutely rather coach in the NFL than in college. Yeah. All right. Well, do we uh, do we timestamp now and, and get into well, I got all the fun uh, stuff? I got a uh, we, we've had some college. Let's let's talk a little hype. Let's talk a little basketball recruiting. Okay. There's there's been some stuff coming out of late. I want to get your get your take on. Uh, we'll start with the most recent uh, tonight. Let me find it so I get it right here. Um, Betsy. No, we're, I'm going to go. Sadiq White. Well, un- yeah. is this a? I don't know. If this maybe had been discussed already. He's it's unofficial a, for, for now. Yeah. Officially, unofficially, unofficial visiting for the Oklahoma game. Was uh-huh. that already known, or was that? Yeah, that that came out. I think four or five days ago. Okay. Um, you know, it's a it's a North Carolina kid that West has a great relationship with. Uh, five star, uh, 2025. So you, you probably don't want to burn that official visit right there. Right. But if he wants, if he, if he's good with coming to town to watch Cincinnati play Oklahoma, that's the other thing. That's the thing about the big 12 that uh, people don't talk about is you can get some, some unexpected unofficial visits just on like, Hey, you want to come check this out? Especially if you're like, yeah, we're going to have all these other guys here. You know, right? would you like to come and just be around all, you know, all these other guys, even though it's not official? Like, yeah. Um, so then you mentioned Tyler Betsy seems to have what, cut his list to seven. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's got three officials planned. UConn national champions. Thank you. Alabama. It was Duke, UC, and Alabama were the ones that he hadn't unofficialed yet, I thought. Or that he uh, hadn't officialed yet. I think Alabama's one that's coming up. Yeah. There were three that he had already taken officials to and three that he had plans to. I, I, I thought Alabama he hadn't yet, but maybe he had. Maybe I'm wrong there. No, I think it was but, UC, Duke, Alabama were the three that he was okay. about to go on. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if he unofficialed or official to UConn or not. Whatever. Uh, those are the four schools I think are the ones to keep a close eye on. UConn, Duke, Alabama. UConn, who won the national championship. Duke, who is Duke. Alabama, who was number one for most of last season. And Cincinnati. Wes Miller ain't fucking scared. Like, he is swinging. The, the names that are dropping Cincinnati in their top group are fucking absurd. Yeah. His other, his other three on his list are Creighton, Indiana, and Villanova. Yeah. I, I know Indiana is, like, is all in on him. We'll see. I, I don't get the sense that they're um, as heavily involved as some of the others, but we'll find out. There's obviously the connection with Kane. He mentioned it in an article right away. Yeah. Um, for those that don't know, Kane Broom is his high school coach. So yeah. there's – we know what's going on in that regard. Obviously, that's not that'll play a major factor. It won't be the only factor. So, um, and then twenty twenty five five star Darren Peterson will play his junior year at Huntington Prep. It seems like UC is someone that is uh, heavily in pursuit of him as well, along with Kentucky, Kansas, North Carolina, Louisville, Michigan State, Ohio State, Michigan. Guess where his guess where his dad was born and raised? Uh, I'm gonna guess Cincinnati. That is correct. 
he's lived up in Northern Ohio uh, growing up, but th there are there are definite connections and ties to Cincinnati. Uh, he is considered one of the elite, elite, elite prospects in that class. All right. Cincinnati in the mix. Uh, then we have Lakota West freshman combo guard Bryce Curry received an offer today from UC and Texas A&M. Thought to be potentially a top 10, 15 kid in the, the 2026 class. Shall we continue? There's lots, a theme. Lots to go. Lots, lot of work to do sure. from there. But, but there is a theme right. that is developing here. Clearly. That Wes Miller is swinging. Like this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm hoping that he lands some of these guys so that I can just start dropping a lot of Stan Marsh wheelbarrow <laughs> South Park. Uh, Look, you keep he, swinging, you're going to get some hits, man. You're, you're, you're not going to go 0 for 30. Like, they're selling Jordan. They're selling, playing in the best basketball conference in the country. They're selling. Look, we have a, we have a really good group of players. We have a really good team. We need an elite guy or two to come in and take this thing over the top, and you can be that guy. That's what they're selling. Yeah, I mean, anybody that's gotten comments, they talk about the three things they typically talk about across the board are relationship Last, with Wes, yeah. Jordan, and Big 12. And relationship with the staff, like close. Well, I mean, they close. talk about other things, but like those yeah, are the three those, that are like – the fourth one is right there with the other three, the relationship not only with Wes, but the relationship they have with the staff. Like those are the four, the four tenants of every kid that talks about Cincinnati. Maybe he'll miss on all of them. Maybe he will. I don't know. I wouldn't bet. I mean, I'm not going to bet against it. I'm not either. Like, here's the thing. Here's what you had to know, Dave. And then, like, we've talked about this since Wes got hired. Where did Wes come from? North Carolina. What does North Carolina do? They recruit elite players. Do you think he's going to say? Like, he believes, I can tell you this with a thousand percent trust. He believes Cincinnati is one of the elite basketball programs in the country and that they should be elite and recruiting, that they should be able to recruit with anybody anywhere. Here's another one. Top-rated 2026 prospect Jaden Johnson yeah. talks talks Michigan pursuit, the direction of Cincinnati's program in Kentucky. Uh, straight starting this month, he will take visits to Indiana, Xavier, UC, West Virginia, and Texas A&M. Yeah. It's coming. I mean, it's, it's the natural. It's the natural – Progression of, yeah, you you start building a culture, you start building a roster, and then you get a you 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 have. I'm not going to say lucky, but you have a Rayvon Griffin that is from Cincinnati that is also a you know highly rated top seventy five player, and yeah. then you have a Tyler McKinley that you stack up like you just progress and you start adding those guys, and then. Hopefully now that you're in the Big 12, Jizzle James. James, and you produce on the court will always be the most important thing. But yep. then you can start showing like, hey, look, 
we recruited this level of player and this is look at how I've developed them. And we've stepped into this league and we're, you know, successful right now. And now we start, but now we need, we want to win the damn league. We don't just want to be competitive in the we league. We want to win the damn title. We want to right. win the damn championship. Well, but I'm saying if you win the league, you're, yeah. you can win you're, the title. You're a championship contender. So, and we need you, quote unquote, you, you know, top right. 25, top 30 guy. Right, you know, in it with obviously in it with Isaiah Collier, and you know, so Flory for a long time, and and you know now you, Jane Quaintance that just randomly showed up on campus last week when it was a dead period, and he wasn't he couldn't meet with anybody at UC, he couldn't have like he couldn't have any contact with the basketball staff, but I guess he was in Cleveland and he was going to Louisville for a basketball camp. And he decided he was just going to stop by campus and put some stuff on Instagram that he was here. That's fun. I didn't know that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's another USA basketball, like, top 10 level talent. So it's it's wild to watch because it's just one after another. And you know what we're not seeing? Not seeing a whole lot of here is – Underrated prospect, three-star, number one thirty in the country. No, uh, that's high on UC. We're not seeing a whole lot of that right now. No, we're not. I'm just saying. I'm not saying. Just saying. Yep. So things are things are looking nice, and obviously, once the season starts, get into that, and you know, visits, especially the Oklahoma visit. Be very, very, very interested to see who all's here, especially in the in this upcoming class, because we've talked about the number of potential spots, and it you know it seems like there's more guys interested than there might be spots available. Well, I, I think the, the 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 fascinating part is going to be they're in a position where they can swing for the grand slam. And if, but if they if they get Tyler McKinley and one more top fifty level guy, that's a big time class, uh, and and you just supplement it from there. But if they're they're able to get four top fifty guys, then you take four top fifty guys, and guess what? You figure it the fuck out. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. But you know that's if, a fun if, spot to be in. We yeah, only need if, two, but if we get four, we'll take four. You got Jace Richardson and Travis Perry on campus, and. And uh, the young man you just mentioned, Jaden Quaintance for, for uh, Island, uh, Jasper Johnson, J- right? Yeah, well, said yeah. he might be a 2024. Like, I don't know. It's just a little easier to be like, "Hey, we're playing Oklahoma this week. Do you want to just come by?" Right. Versus like, "Hey, we're playing Temple. What do you What do you got going on? This, <laughs> what do you got going on this weekend?" Coach, I'm I'm busy. I, I, got, I, like, I got I got stuff to do. One of the best jokes ever, and it works in this sense. It was the it was one of the old Comedy Central roasts, where I think it was Emmett Smith's roast, and or or Shaq's roast or somebody's, and it was and Jeff Ross was like Jerry Jones wanted to be here, but he had anything better to do. <laughs> right. So it's like, yeah, right. sorry, Coach, I literally have anything better to do than to come yeah. to this game when you're playing, you know, USF. Oh, Oklahoma at Nippert Stadium. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll come kick it. Hang out. Yeah. So very, very fun, very exciting. Yeah. 
again, basketball will be here. <laughs> Starts in what? Two months? October? Yeah. It's not far. It's not no. far. All right. That that's the official timestamp for Dave's new favorite drink, Turtles Brew. Zero sugar, zero carbs, gluten free. This now that we have the story, Dave, this is fucking wild to me. That he literally, they were like, look, man, no more beer. And the guy was like, okay, I'll just come up with my own my own drink. drink. I'll just come up with my own uh, popular drink sold in stores. And we'll yeah. sell it by the half gallon. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's awesome. I'm even more on Turtles Brew than I was. I, I was in on Turtles Brew. Now I'm all the way in on Turtles Brew. Uh, now that we got to meet Turtle. Uh, cherry Lime, Raspberry Peach, Orange Vanilla. 50 locations in Greater Cincinnati. 6% ABV. Visit TurtlesBrew.com. For more information and locations, a portion of the proceeds go to Save the Sea Turtles. They're in Cincinnati. They're in Toledo. They're now expanding in central Ohio. Dave, when this stuff goes on Shark Tank, I think we need a cut. <laughs> I think we need a cut. I don't disagree. I'm just saying. All right. Well, we've already done an hour and 44 minutes, and we haven't touched on the most explosive stuff happening today. Yeah. Sports. What the fuck is happening, Dave? Catch everybody up. I like I I was I went I I went to get dinner. I was, you know, hanging out with the child after practice and doing the practice report. And I just glanced at Twitter and all fucking hell is breaking loose. Yeah, there's a lot. Um and there's feel- a lot of indication that this shit could go down by like Friday. Yeah, like so let's, I mean, since since we last talked, let's just clean some things up. The Pac-12, where George Klyovkov was essentially forced to show an actual deal. Um, yeah, I don't I don't want to give all of the details because I want our our listeners, our subscribers, to go to. The Arizona site. Read the work that Jason yeah. Shear has done. He's he's done some great work. Put out an article. Amazing man. Put out an article tonight. <clears throat> um, sounds like the deal came in somewhere around twenty four and a half million dollars, but virtually all streaming. No, the deal came in. Best we can do is twenty four million, twenty four and a half million dollars. But we're gonna have to do this, 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 and this to get there. Well, but but also virtually all streaming that's yes. that's the bigger issue than the money like yeah. you know and and there'd been talk of selling games whatever which truly like selling games never made sense because if apple's gonna pay all this money why would they then sell the best games to espn or fox um because espn or fox aren't gonna buy a c-level game like they don't care so then their talk was, well, maybe they'll be sub-licensed where, or not sub-licensed, I'm sorry, simulcast, where, and I think we've seen some of that with MLS, where a game is on Apple, but it's also on Fox. I don't follow it, so I'm not 100% sure. There have been talk that maybe that could be in play, but the Arizona president has publicly said, like, anything more than 50-50 streaming linear is not acceptable. And even if you simulcast the best game each week, that still leaves you like 
70, 80 plus percent of your content being behind a paywall. And it's you know, for the people that aren't familiar, because if you're not a soccer fan, you might not know that how the MLS's deal with Apple works is it's like having ESPN plus and the, but then having to pay for UFC. So you'd have the Apple subscription, the Apple plus or Apple TV subscription, but then you're still paying extra for the pack 12 yeah. um and it's just it's not you can't recruit in that world you can't there's no promotion um you know they talked about levels of subscriptions which i'm like hey pack 12 guys remember when larry scott sold you on that with the pack 12 network that worked out really well why would you go back and do this again anyway colorado finally said enough was enough the money's not right. The the distribution of the games isn't right. And frankly, the long-term stability isn't right. We're out. Okay. So then over the weekend, in the beginning of the week, it's like, okay, well, they're out, but can the Pac-12 still survive? Can they salvage? Blah, blah, blah. All of a sudden the other day, you know, when these it just basically became to the point where it sounded like Arizona was starting to move in that direction of the big 12. And there was a lot of talk of, you know, can they separate from Arizona state? Um, again, their president had long said, yes, we can. Like we are not. We don't want tied. to, but we can. Yes. We prefer not to. We, they're not going to tell us we can't. Um, Today, though, today was like conference realignment Armageddon. You have multiple people reporting that, which is hilarious because last week the Big Ten was very, they put out a comment about how we are solely focused on the, the right. bringing UCLA and USC on and we're not thinking about conference expansion. Then all of a sudden today it was, we are solely focused on this. But we also want to make sure that we're keeping our president abreast of the changing dynamics of the college <laughs> sports landscape. And many people have reported that they have a subgroup of presidents that are now discussing expansion. You know, have re-engaged, so to speak, with ideally Oregon and State, uh, Oregon and Washington, which I'm sure when uh, the deal was presented and Colorado left. Those people picked up their phones and said, what do we have to do to get yeah. into the Big Ten? Because if I'm working in Washington, not only All is it... All it takes is Arizona to move, and now the pac 12s done, and you're right. screwed. But if you're working in Washington, why would you sign that deal? You're going to tell me that my yearly budget, I'm not going to really know, because a lot of it's going to be tied to how many Apple subscriptions there are. Right. But my yearly budget, we're the power schools in this conference. My yearly budget is going to be determined by how many fans of Stanford, Cal, Oregon State, and Washington State sign up for Apple TV. We probably have more subscribers than Bearcat Journal. Like, I can't, I can't go to my board. I can't go to my whoever and be like, yep, yeah, we, we don't know how much we're going to get this year because – 
You know, if Washington State has a down year or if Cal just officially stops caring, like, that means we're going to make X amount of dollars less than we did last year. We might not be able to pay 14 people in the athletic department, including six head coaches. Because <laughs> so, Cal and and Stanford and Oregon State decided that we're out. They're, they're hoping, I, I imagine, they were hoping that this would happen. And it seemed, and, you know, you listen to the president or the AD of Arizona State, and Arizona State has been a staunch Pac-12 supporter. Their president, Michael Crow, was the epitome of a Larry Scott, you know, shill. They do not want to leave. But the AD was asked today, comments, about talked about it for two minutes, and the tone of his comments is totally different than it has been. And now you, you know, I mentioned earlier they have the meeting tomorrow night. I'm very interested still to see what happens with Utah. They don't seem to be in play for the Big Ten with whatever the Big Ten is trying to pull. Um, They have been very, very against going to the Big 12. And I don't necessarily blame them. Like, the Pac-12 extended them a lifeline when they moved from the Mountain West. And they've been very damn good. They've won the Pac-12 the last two years. They probably look at it as, we can run this league. But there's not going to be a league for them to run for much longer. So, you know, I think they're going to be brought in as well. If I'm if I'm guessing right now, I mean, I think, you know, there's it's probably going to go to 16 with Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah. Um, how quick? I don't know. Altogether, that would be a very Brett Yormark move to have this be one big announcement. I did see a funny tweet saying that he should his press release should say we have decided to go shopping at the Pac-12. Mm. Um, but yes, some it's just wild. You have the Florida State people now are just outright saying that we cannot be in this league anymore unless there are done. We're out on the ACC. Unless there are drastic changes in how the revenue is distributed. I mean, that's all well and good. I'm still trying to figure out how they're going to pull this off and who is dying to take them. I mean, I guess that's the other part. I mean, the SEC would take them in one second. Mm, I, I don't agree. Okay. I don't. I think if the if if they try to pull this off and it results in the blow up of the ACC, I think the SEC is fighting the Big Ten for North Carolina and Virginia before they add FSU. Okay. Um, but the Big Ten is also now like. But how mad is? How mad is UCF going to be when Florida State joins the Big 12? Well, that's the funny part about this is this, and, and I'm uh, the one time in my life I have been on UCF's side. Them being in the Big 12 and eventually making more money per year than Florida State is what is driving this. Oh, yeah, a thousand percent. Florida State cannot stand for that. They cannot fathom that little old Central Florida is going to be in a better position than 
than they are. One of the trustees at FSU was quoted today saying it would be death by a thousand cuts to stay in the ACC. Yeah, and yeah. only have $30 million a year. Yeah. I'm trying to find the, the tweet because um, I, I want to get it right because Richard Johnson from uh, SI and the Split Zone Duo podcast said it perfectly. He said the difference between the Big Ten and the SEC in the Power 2 binary is that the SEC just does the thing. The Big Ten does it and still tries to keep its moral high ground, which is how the league has operated for a century. Like the whole, like, we don't want to see be seen as the people, the yeah. league that destroyed the, that put the final nail in the pact of, like, you fucking added UCLA and USC. Like, you kind of already shot the guy. Like, yeah. You might not be the reason he dies, but you're the reason he dies. You're the reason he was in the hospital. <laughs> like, he died from an infection, but you were the reason he was in the hospital. So, like, this whole idea of, like, we're going to sit back and let the Big 12 or let these other schools in the Pac-12 decide that the conference is going to get blown up, and then we're going to feast on the the, you know, the underprivileged carcass. youth, so to speak. No, the, car- are, the, the carcass. The, 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 yeah. The carcass. Who are desperate to get out, and we're going to bring them in at a partial share and, and be looked at. Well, we're saving you guys. You know, Bob, yeah, because like, we're good me, and wholesome like that. Give me a break. Like, and that's the difference. Like, me has evolved, and, like, I've always hated the Big Ten because, like that tweet said, like, you do the same stuff the SEC does. You just act like you don't. Right. And then you cry about how the SEC cheats and how the SEC does this and like Remember Dave, the Pac-10 and the the, the Pac-12 and the Big 10 are supposed to be lifelong partners. Yeah, they they formed an alliance, Chad. But before that, the Rose Bowl. Oh, the Rose Bowl. Like these are supposed to be the two best friends that anyone can ever have. Yeah. Husband and wife, like the, the divorce is not a divorce of like we grew apart. The divorce is I murdered my wife. Yeah, I mean it's it's you know we we're sitting over here just waiting for things to go bad, and now we're gonna come in and swoop up your best properties because yeah. you don't have any other place to go. But we didn't, we weren't the ones that caused it. No, 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 no! Don't, don't get that twisted. We didn't, we didn't do this. But uh, yeah, so I mean, wild day. I've, I don't know how. I mean, it seems like it's gonna go pretty damn fast. I mean, if obviously if Arizona and Arizona State are gonna have a meeting tomorrow, it's not about like some joint nil. Uh, <laughs> thing and they're gonna do you know team up with the local food pantry right. Right. um it's, it's obviously i mean it would seem obvious that they're getting on the same page to to make an announcement because again if it if the announcement or if their plan was to accept the pac-12 deal they don't need to have a, a executive meeting for that right. um so it, it it seems like that's the direction this is going 
we'll see. I mean, I've seen some things like this could move as quick as Friday. I'm not not a hundred percent sure about that, but I mean, if you have it very fast, if you have it, like if it follows the Colorado plan, if they have this meeting tomorrow, and then as soon as that meeting's over, they schedule one for the next day, then it's kind of is what's going to happen. Matt wants to know if you can see the Big Ten going after Florida State. Uh, I could. I could. Yeah. Why not go to Florida? I mean, yeah. That See, that's the thing. That one makes more sense to me than the SEC does. Because they're already there and they already, already there. own it with Florida, yeah. Like, you already have the best. But most- I could see Florida and Florida State going, fuck Central Florida. Like, we are going to crush them. I mean, the, big, the, big Ten could, the Big Ten could take Florida State and Miami, mm-hmm. and and do and do one of those deals and add them to Oregon and Stanford maybe and have twenty. The Big Ten is always a weird one though because are they ever going to make a move that would preclude them from adding Notre Dame if Notre Dame decided to join a conference? Right. Because if you do that, if you take Stanford now and you take Oregon now, you're at eighteen. And say somehow, I don't know how these the these teams in the in the ACC are able to break up this grant of rights in the somewhat near future. Right. Are are you going to take two more and go to twenty, and then like, what if Notre Dame's then like five years from now, seven years from now is like, yeah, we'd like to join. Actually, this playoff thing's not working out for us. This NBC deal is not as good as we thought. Like, are they going to just they're gonna go to 21? Are they then going to go to 24? Like, I, who the hell knows? Yeah, I mean, but Notre Dame's going to get 60 million a year from NBC. I would think so. I think they're going to get whatever they want. Like, I am not worried about Notre Dame being forced to join a conference. I'm not if either. They I've don't ne- want to join a conference. They will never join a conference. I've never, and I've never thought that they will because I'd always, I've always been under the assumption that they'll get what is ne- what is Even- enough. For them. Even if there's a power two, Dave, even if it's Big Ten SEC, I still think Notre Dame would find a place to exist as the the one like fly in the ocean. Well, they they set it up that way for the playoff. Right. The expanded playoff. Like they they agreed like that they're 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 giving up the chance to have a home, a, game. A home game to yeah. basically always make it. Right. If if they have a good year. Yeah. So why a great they, year, if, a good if year. If they're making the they don't have to join a conference, so they don't have to go that's the thing that people are always they don't like, have to split the money. They don't have to split the money. They don't have to go they can set up their own non like their own schedule and play these games in Ireland and New York City and Vegas and Atlanta and at, like wherever they want. They make all the money off that. They don't have to go to Purdue and Indiana and Minnesota and, you know, make right. Maryland and Rutgers. Like, they have their sweetheart deal with the ACC that gives them quality games, and then they fill in the rest with all of them with, Mich- with their rivals, whether it's Michigan. Quality USC. games they should win nine times out of ten. Yeah. So I've, I've never I've never felt that, that the money would be bad enough to make them join a conference. Because the access is always going to be there because – the SEC wants them to be happy because if it came down to it, they'd always choose the Big Ten over the SEC. So the SEC would rather have them be independent 
than being in the Big Ten. Right. And both of them, if it all came down to it, would give Notre Dame a spot at the table if there was a, a Big Ten SEC like championship. Situation. Right, because if you added Notre Dame to the Big Ten, you know how much more money the Big Ten would get? Just yeah. add, add the NBC contract. The Big Ten would just say, you can keep the NBC contract, like the games exactly how you want it. We're going to add right. that money in here, and now we're going to have whatever, and you'll still get your good cup, but like now we all split up a little bit of it too. Right. I, I just I, – I keep hearing the Big Ten is waiting on Notre Dame. Of course they are. Notre Dame gets, doesn't give a shit. They are above the law. They, they are God in this situation. Yeah, I, I just – I don't know. With the, and plus with NBC, now, now when their new TV deal comes up with the Big Ten, NBC is now airing Big Ten games. Mm-hmm. So they can – they can now run – Notre Dame promotions on the Big Ten NBC right. game, right? To keep you watch like you're now Later you're watching Notre Dame, Notre Dame USC. Now you're watching NBC for two straight two windows in a row. Yeah. So, yeah. If you if they join the league, it doesn't necessarily mean that way. What if the ACC blows up and Notre Dame loses those guaranteed quality games? Then they just scheduled them on their own. Just like they used to before they were before right. they had that agreement in place. Right, Josh. There is they are ironclad, dude. They are bulletproof. Do you think? Do you think Virginia or Boston College or Louisville or who? Like, you think those teams aren't going to still schedule a game against Notre Dame or a home and home against or, Notre Dame or, or other a neutral teams. site or a neutral site in Notre Dame in Dublin, Ireland, or whatever the case may be? Absolutely, they it doesn't will. even have to be those ACC. I know. Teams. I'm just giving that as an example. Yeah, they're gonna do whatever the hell they want to do, and there's nothing anybody can do about it. Yeah, it's they're in a. I just yeah, but from a Big Twelve standpoint, you know, I it's funny. I we had a good conversation on the board today, and I'm talking about how I'm not exactly like gung-ho about blowing past 14 because I, you know, the when you're UC and you're going from what you were in to what you're in now, yeah. there isn't more best. Like UC no. is in, UC is in, in. Just be in. UC is in the best basketball conference now. Adding UConn, okay, great. So it's more better than it was? Like, I don't need UConn. I have enough good teams. Like the SEC, I, I talked about how I didn't want Oklahoma and Texas to join because Tennessee finally figured their stuff out. And now you just add two more teams that are as good or better. Like, right. For what? You already were the best. So, like, I was trying to make the point of, like, let's not lose sight of the winning is the most important thing. And conference realignment has done a really good job of getting people to care about their conference media deal or their school's budget. Like who gives a shit? Um, but, but people talk about that. And, I mean, we're guilty of it. We talk about it all the time. I mean, cause UC has been in the middle of it for so long, but like, I, <clears throat> I didn't want Utah. I didn't want another team. That's really good to get in the way of us potentially like making the playoff. Like if they did what they needed to do in the big 12, the way that it's set up, all of the things that we would want to happen could happen. 
It's not like yeah. they're devo- they're not devoid of good teams. This isn't the AC the AAC. Like they're not devoid of opportunity anymore. Right. So what's the point? Like if they're not going to bring my point was if the, if the, if the additions aren't going to massively raise the value financially of the conference, then what you, then what is the point? Because all you're doing is making it harder for you to win games. Sure. But if the Pac-12 actually does <clears throat> totally just go away, then yes, it would make sense to add Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah. Sure. <laughs> and then see what but happens. Dude. Then There's sit a real here. good chance it's going away. Yeah, and then sit here and see what, how much saber rattling and how much things Florida State can actually do. Right. <clears throat> and then if if that happens, and then you know, then maybe you, then we talk about additions from that world, and you get to twenty, and you have three, you have essentially three power conferences. Well, you have two power conferences, and then. The other guys. Yeah. And I'm okay being the other guys. We've been the other guys for the entirety of the existence of the University of Cincinnati. Yeah, because I'd just rather be the other guys in third than the other guys in seventh. Because when you get to that point, it's not gonna matter who you add. They're the you're you're not gonna catch them financially. No. Like the properties that would be available to you to add are not going to bridge the gap from what the Big Ten and the SEC are making. You could add a hundred teams; it's not gonna matter, right? So you know, I mean, for us, selfishly, it would be. I think I said it's. It wouldn't be. It'd be easier. Like, yeah, I would love to be back in a conference with Louisville and Pitt, and that would be easier. That would be easier. It would be funner. I'm. I don't know if it would be better. Like, it doesn't necessarily make the Big Twelve as a whole better. It makes it better for us personally, selfish Cincinnati fans. But I don't know if it makes it better. No, it just makes it different. It's just a a big group of second-tier programs. (laughs) Which is kind of where we're heading anyway. Right. Until we go to the the SEC. (laughs) Until the SEC says, I need Ohio. Yep. And you guys are it. <laughs> it's wild, man. Like it, it's so the stuff happened. Like everybody panics. Nobody has any chill. Everybody loses their fucking mind the minute that one thing happens. I mean, Florida, Florida State won a national championship ten years ago, and they are they're talking like they've been eating in the bread lines for the last ten years, like. <laughs> Like, dude, like, yeah. You want to talk about out. you want to talk about being poor? Like, hey, over here, <laughs> right, right. Like, you can't compete. Can I have some more, can I have some more porridge, sir? Like, like, you guys can't compete if you don't make more money. Hello. <laughs> but that's also why Cincinnati spent like three hundred million dollars. Yeah, and that's Florida they just State put it all on credit. Florida State spent it too. <laughs> True, true that, true that. But all right, I, I, I don't think we have a whole lot more else to. Do you, do you have anything else for tonight? Uh, I don't think so. All right, let's uh, let's call it a show. This show is going to be wild for 
<laughs> the foreseeable future. What do you got there? Like, are you are you looking at something else to talk about, or are you just uh, you're done? No, yeah, I was just trying to see if there was anything else that happened okay. while we were talking, other than the okay. Reds um, apparently not playing well. Shit the bed. They shit the bed. Good thing uh, they three to nothing, five to five to two, and now it's ten to five. Cups. Man, maybe they should have traded for some pitching. Yeah, the, the, uh, don't get me started. Twelve to three tomorrow. I'm in on uh, Cincy three sixty on ESPN fifteen thirty, and I will have many takes. Are you are you with anybody? Are you solo? No. So Pike is on vacation. And I think Austin went to a country concert tonight where he was like, I'm not coming in tomorrow. <laughs> so it's uh, it's me. I don't even know who my producer is. Uh, I do have a great guest at 1230 if you're interested tomorrow. Jim Kelly. All right. Jim Kelly joining me tomorrow at 1230. You Bearcats, don't get much better than that. Bearcats Hall of Famer, Jim Kelly. Also high on the receivers today. He was. Uh, that was in my camp report. I usually take, do not embed tweets. Takes but I one to know a one. Tweet in my camp report that Jim Kelly was impressed by the receivers. Uh, I've got a beef with Austin Elmore that I'm going to talk <laughs> about tomorrow. Okay. He had Dan Horde on the program yesterday. Not only did he not Dan, ask Dan Horde a UC question, he never even mentioned that Dan Horde was the voice of the Bearcats. What? Did he ask him about the Bengals? Bengals? Yeah. The voice of the Bengals, Dan Horde, here with us on Cincy 360. Never once mentioned that Dan also has another very prominent job in the city. And the training camp, Dan Horde was at the Scott Satterfield presser yesterday, was on the radio with Austin Elmore 15 minutes after the presser ended, and was not asked one Cincinnati Bearcats question. Austin Elmore is a Ohio State fan. So what do you expect? Yeah, I'm going to call him out. And you know the beautiful part about me calling him out? I don't know what. I'm not on radio again until like August 24th. So I can just set everything on fire tomorrow. (laughs) And then walk away for like three weeks. Literally three weeks I can just walk away. Before we go. Yeah. Real quick. Chris Karpman, who is the publisher of Sun Devil Source. On the 24-7 network. Okay. Retweeted the tweet I mentioned earlier from Ross Dellinger about the Arizona Board of Regents and said, this is it. Expect the Big 12 to meet privately tomorrow and vote publicly as soon as Friday. ASU and Arizona are very close to exiting the pack, whatever. Everybody's given the like, has there ever been a worse... Maybe this is a topic for a, a nightcap when this happens. Oh, I want I want a 30 for 30, like how the Big East fell apart. I need a 30 for 30 on Larry Scott and George Klyakov and how they single-handedly torpedoed the Conference of Champions and put Bill Walton in the goddamn hospital. <laughs> is he in the hospital? <laughs> he, that man needs a wellness check because he is dead right now. How, mu- how many psychedelics... All have, of the psychedelics. Have, have Bill Walton has Bill Walton. All of, all of the all of the psychedelics. Today, today, all of the psychedelics. I mean, no one has stumped for the conference of champions more than Walton, and now it. Will yes, be they there. have. 
John Canzano, no. John Wilmer. <laughs> no one and Stuart Mandel. No Even one Stuart Mandel is like, fuck these guys, man. Not today. He you know, he doubled back. He no doubled back is, today. No one is that is respected has <laughs> stumped harder for the Pac-12 than one Bill Walton. I want a 30 for 30 on how two guys that are were essentially coming into this respected journalists destroyed their entire career. Uh, I would Wilner not Wilner close. broke the USC and UCLA news. Wilner was a, like Wilner yeah. was an elite respected journalist. In Him the though, not even close as bad as Kanzana. Not even. Well, but Kanzana wasn't as respected as Wilner. But yeah, it's it, that part is fascinating to me. Fascinating that you would just throw your career away listening to like the the presidents at Washington State and Oregon State that everybody knew had nothing to do with this. Like you are, it's like if the SEC blew up, like if the SEC was facing impending doom, and your two sources were the presidents at or the ads at Kentucky and Vanderbilt. <laughs> what are you doing? You've put the emphasis on the wrong syllable. Oh, man. Crazy. It's crazy. This shit is wild, man. Like, we've been talking about this for a decade. Like, as long as we've been doing, what are we on? <laughs> 391 shows? We've been talking about this for 391 weeks, Dave. I never could have seen it go this bad for the Pac-12 this fast. Never. Like three weeks ago, you were still like, I just can't believe that they're this stupid. I can't believe that they would let this happen. And here we are. Like this week, we're at a place where this week. Here's the thing, though. I mean, you can't just make your own deal. And if if the deal is never there, then it's just never there. At least to the to the what the presidents and schools want it to be. Sure, and that's well, that's what it's come down to. I mean, we can talk about all the missteps that George has made from overvaluing the conference as a whole when the Big Ten signed their deal, telling the presidents that we're going to get. 65 to 75% of sure. what the big 10, like all of his comments, like it, none of it matters. The deal just has never been it's there. Never there. And, it's never there. And there's nothing he can like, we can shit on him and make fun of him and we will, but like, there's nothing he could do about that. No. The, 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 the whole dynamic of media and television and rights has, ne- it's never been like this. Everybody thought streaming was going to take off. And it's been a total money pit. And that has been... Well, that's what people never considered. They always considered people will just subscribe, but they never considered the cost of, like, what it costs to do what ESPN is, like, the infrastructure that ESPN... like, what it costs to make make all the content that you put on the the streaming platform? Yeah, like, what it costs to, like, have the, the, the... To build a fucking 
multi-million dollar production truck. Or, or can to, make, to make 300 movies? Right. Well, <laughs> but I'm talking about just sports. Like, even right, but sports. that's where they made the money. Like, they sure. ne- they did, they're they not making money. Like, streamers are not making money. Right. But they're certainly not going to spend money they don't have on live sports rights. Because they don't have the ability right. to produce live sports. Yeah. Like so that's what it ultimately comes down to. And he, like that you know, is money ESPN spent years ago. The only like we've talked about maybe you said it ad nauseum. Brett Yarmark not going to market and just saying Fox, ESPN, let's just run this Brett, shit back. Yeah, how we're much, not interested in streaming. We don't want to fuck around. We're not gonna take this to the open market. Yeah. We like working with you guys. You know what the hell to do. It's an easy contract. You know, what's the value? Okay, you give us a little bit more money than we had before, even though we lose Texas and Oklahoma. Wipe our hands on to the next endeavor. Right. Like that that's a guy that knows how to do deals. That is someone that one knows how to do deals and two understands has a good understanding of what their product's value true value is yeah and also understands the market and understands that going to market opening up the negotiating window what are the chances that the offer we get is so substantially more that we versus the risk of what the Pac-12 is now dealing with. Yeah. And Under, off, understanding what the Pac-12 do? They pissed off ESPN and Fox to the point that ESPN and Fox were like, we don't fucking need you. What's we the, don't it's, need you. It's the elitist mentality of a lot of that these they've schools. Always had. Presence. Yeah. It's we the, might go shopping oh, there. There's no way that our product couldn't be valued like this. Like, right, your yeah, mark might, realized, like, there. right, your mark realized, Yes, you at Texas Tech and you at Baylor and you at Iowa State, like you love the Big 12 and you think it's the fucking greatest thing ever. But here, here's the cold hard truth. It's not. It's right. nice. It, you know, ESPN and Fox would be thrilled to have it, but they don't need it because they need the SEC. They need the Big Ten. They need the NFL. They need Major League Baseball. They need the NBA. Like they don't need us. They don't have to pay for us. They'd like to have us, but they don't need us. Right. And they and he realized that that and that's that's this whole thing in the, like all the talking we've done is about understanding business, understanding markets, and understanding your true value. And the the Pac-12 has not had any semblance of understanding of those things throughout this entire process. And you know why? It's because they've always had USC and UCLA. Yeah. Where we have the number two market. So no matter what, we always have significant value because of those two. And with those two gone, you don't mean shit. And you have you have a group. I know you like to think your <laughs> shit don't stay, but lean yeah. a little bit closer. So well, you- roses really smell like boo, woo, woo, woo. Yeah. <laughs> that's the song. That's that's the Pac-12's song at their funeral. Yeah. <laughs> I left you speechless. I think that's where we where we stop. Yes, you you singing outcasts is a good place to stop. 
<laughs> Thanks to uh, all of our sponsors. I hope you got 10 minutes. The Holy Grail. Uh, thanks to Team Ticker. Thanks to Home Field Apparel. Thanks to Turtles Brew. Uh, everyone that wants to be a part of this. It's been pretty wild how many people are in the inbox wanting to be a part of the BCJ network. It's very fun. Uh, we're just getting started. So thanks to everybody for tuning in. All the great content is on BCJ. 75% off through Thursday at midnight. Get yourself a full year of Bearcat Journal for $26. Bucks. We'll, uh, we'll see you soon. That's uh, the BCJ podcast brought to you by the Holy Grail. And you're on BearcatJournal.com.